Hey guys, welcome back as we're cruising right along through Makaname. All right, all right, all right. First off, apologies, sincere apologies to our devoted fans for putting them through last week's episode. When programming the lineup for Makaname, I was thinking about the general public and I should have never done that in hindsight. It was a complete, utter failure on my result and I'm just simply sorry guys, I'm sorry for doing How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. I'm sorry to our fans. I'm sorry to my colleague Sean, and I'm sorry to myself. But this week's a start for making up for all of that because this week we've got McConaughey and Pacino. This week's film is the underrated and often overlooked selection of the month. It's a film that features a gnarly league injury in the opening minutes. Armand DeSante taking a piss on Matthew McConaughey, Jeremy Piven, and a truly, truly bizarre performance from Val Pacino. This is the Film Effect Podcast, and we're giving two for the money. It's day in court. Let's do this. Spend my time listening to some dipshit who doesn't know what the hell he's talking about anyway. I know what you're talking about. Man, it's the same bullshit they tried to pull in my day. You know, if it ain't that piece of paper, some other choice they're gonna try and make for you. You gotta do what Randall Pink Floyd wants to do, man. Let me tell you this. The older you do get, the more rules you're gonna try to get you to follow. <laughs> you just gotta keep living, man. L-I-V-I-N. Conversation is finished. I never met you. You never met me. There's only one rule in this fucking jungle. When the lion's hungry, he eats. You see, God asked Dad to destroy his son, much like he asked Abraham to sacrifice his son Isaac. That too, the law says that you cannot touch. But I think I see a lot of lawbreakers up in this house. Right? All right, welcome to the Film Effect Podcast, where we take all things film to the full effect. I'm Ed. That is my cinematic life mate, Sean. Good morning, Film Effect. And before we get down to the nitty gritty, I want to let you guys know that our ever-growing collection of previous episodes can be found on iTunes, Spotify, Google, iHeartRadio, Pocket Cast, and wherever else you enjoy your favorite shows. Check us out on both Facebook and Instagram. What? That's going to be the Film Effect Podcast. And while you're at it, tell us our uh, Twitter feed. Yeah, you want to tweet us? You tweet us at Film Effect Pod. And what about email? What's the address? That's some old school shit. The Film Effect Podcast at gmail.com. <laughs> and reviews and ratings also help with the algorithm. And you too can help by leaving us your honest reviews and takes on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you listen that accept such wonderful things. Let's do some shout outs. Shout out to his family. All right. So, first and foremost, Behind the Screams podcast, because they are covering one of my personal favorite John Carpenter films, Christine, this week. One of the more underrated ones of the bunch. Shout out to both 
Nick Browneller and Joe Venker for the support for the film effect. Rocking the shirt, sending the yeah, man. Browneller's driving out the magnet on his on his truck. He's got pins on his kids' book bags going to school. Man, we're spreading across time zone, Joe. It's happening, man. That that fucking movement's real. I'm telling you guys. Um, best film ever. I really do love those guys. They're doing Shrek this week for the 20th. God bless them. <laughs> I, honestly, I, I haven't seen, I actually haven't watched Shrek in, it's been a handful of years. I, I've seen the second one recently, but I haven't seen that original one in probably at least I mean, five, six years. I mean, don't get me wrong. They're funny, but, you know, I don't, the I don't first go out of my way for funny. Yeah, I don't go out of my way for animation. You know what I mean? I mean, I dig it. It's just not, you know, it's not going to be my first pick on the shelf. You know what I mean? I wouldn't expect a, a, to. A DreamWorks or a Pixar flick over, you know, some, you know, Italian cannibal gore shit from the 80s. You know, I'm always going to lean towards a giallo. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you know, not to turn this into a Shrek conversation. But <laughs> like, when it first came out, like, I, I, I was too old. I was 16 when it came out so i was like yeah nah sorry i'll pass yeah i was mid-20s mom I, but I, I wound up like buying the dvd because like it was kind of a you know i hadn't seen it and it was there people were talking about it and i remember my mom <laughs> so i was with my mom at the time i was probably 25 26 and um i remember my mom coming downstairs i was just hanging out in the club basement drinking beer watching and she's like why did you buy a cartoon <laughs> she used to be coming home with horror flicks and like Bruce Willis movies and shit. She's like, why are you why are you watching a cartoon? You on a cartoon? Yeah, I mean, I was working at Spencer's when it came out, and Spencer's. I remember my coworker uh, went and saw it um, the, the day it came out and shit. And I was kind of like the role of your mother, like asking, like, "What the hell, man? Like, you're usually going and seeing the horror action movies, like, yeah, 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 yeah. Shit. And he's like, "Dude." Have you even like heard anything about the movie? I'm like, not really. Besides, it's just a kid I mean, film from DreamWorks. He was like, he stopped me. He's like, no, dude, seriously, this movie has like so much adult humor. And he was telling me about the, the Pinocchio scene, and that sold me right away. I was like, done. Well, the fact that they did didn't isn't Lord uh, Farquaad based on Michael Eisner? Yes. Because that's why his name's Farquaad, because it sounds like Fuckwad. Yeah, Michael Eisner, the head of Disney, for those not who did Yeah, he's a little short dude with a big yeah. ego. They called him Lord Eddie 86, the DreamWorks team, so they got back at him and, and cast him as Lord Fuckwad. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the one that John Lithgow voices. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, that first one, and I, I'll argue the second one's even funnier. But then the third one maybe got a few laughs out of me, and I don't I, think I've, I've seen the fourth one once, and it was like there's four, there's fucking four of them. There's four of them, yeah. The, Jesus, the fourth, the fourth one's like Shrek Forever After. It was the final and one. The, oh yeah, and, and they're like an actual like short like holiday one too or something. There is, and there's also like a music very Shrek Christmas or some stupid shit like that. Not to mention the Puss in Boots spinoff. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, it got, it's a little out of hand. I, I, I barely remember what went on in the second one. I hardly remember the first one. Never saw the third and didn't even know there was a fourth. Originally conceived as a Chris Farley vehicle. Yeah, 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 I know. So, yeah. yeah wonder, like, they, they, they had to drop like another couple mil because after recording all the shit, Mike Myers is like, no, nah, you know what? Let me do a Scottish accent now. 
They had to go You're back right. and re Oh, my God, that's right. Yes, that's yeah, right. He just decided <laughs> after the fact, you know, it would play better if I did him Scottish. Yeah, like, you know, exactly. Did that, I, married, you know, I, I married an axe murderer. We get it. You can do a Scottish accent. Yeah, yeah, and I guess in the long run it worked, but still, like, a dick move first time. You know, right, it was a it. dick move, dude. It cost, it cost him, like, several million dollars. It cost millions. That shit ain't cheap. It's You had to record, like, go back and do the whole voice work process all over again. Yes. All because you wanted to tweak your little fucking voice work. You a little, know? Fucking, little fucking diva. Where is he at now? <laughs> Love Guru shit the bed. Tarantino gave him a one-shot in Glorious Bastards. And then he shows up in Queen for a minute, and that's more of an inside joke for the, I mean, Bohemian Rhapsody, that's more of an inside joke for the fans. That's it. Fuck's guy doing now? Um, honestly, I have no clue. I, I haven't been I following up on my uh, Mike Myers lately, so I don't know. All right, moving right along. Yeah. Um, and finally, Halloweenies, because they're finally moving on to Scream 2 this week, although it's Scream 2 Part 1 different okay two-parter i guess they're they're doing the whole they're taking two episodes to do a whole movie what are they only an hour did they only do did they limit themselves to an hour well i've mentioned them before they're the ones they're the guys who do the franchises every year this year they're doing screen but they're spreading it out because there's only four screen films so they're doing they did screen one in january and then february march and april they had spinoffs of harm of they, they covered like a random heart, like they did the burning one month. They did, they did it because they called it like Randy's Rex. It was basically movies that Rand, character Randy mentioned in the first screen movie. They covered the whole thing, like they did a whole three hour in retrospect on it. On the burning, huh? They did three hours on the burning. Did I say the burning? No. Not the burning, the howling. I mean, oh, the howling. Howling. Okay. the howling. Yeah, dude, the burning, man. That that deserves that deserves a um a run. But yeah, yeah, and so now they're doing this month. They're back to scream, you know, Screamland, and they're doing Scream Two. But to my surprise, the other day when the episode dropped, it said Scream Two Part One. I haven't now. Granted, I haven't listened to the actual. I started to listen to it, but I haven't finished it. Yeah. You give me a break to three hour episodes. And um They spent yeah, six I, hours talking I, about Scream Two. I hope not. Jeez. I think this I think this was a two hour episode though. So even four hours on Scream Two is a bit much. But then again, we did four hours on Heat. So no, not Heat. Good oh yeah, Heat. And but I guess that's more uh, worthy. He, he deserves four hours because it takes three to watch the fucker. Yeah, I know. I, you, you ever like just say shit and you regret it like mid sentence, but you just finish the sentence anyway? That was me about thirty seconds ago. <laughs> that's why you had me a law about keep you in check. There you go. Um, yeah, talking to yourself is fine, but it's when you start answering your own questions. Yeah, that's when. <laughs> All right, so charting. We were in 160 in Great Britain. We charted 190 here in the States. And we have new listeners in both Zambia and Romania. Wow. Yeah. So. Speaking of which, rest in peace, Shock G. A couple weeks ago, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, current events. Uh, gotcha, man. I, Justin, Justin, I, Justin just cleared yeah, us in. 
I wanted to, yeah, I was kind of like, I didn't know if you were going to know that. If, I didn't know this was going to be like breaking news to you or not. Hey, it's well, I didn't know. Justin just sent us that message a couple minutes. So uh, rest in peace, well, Charles Groden. And yeah, um, I read it a couple hours ago. Like I need another excuse to to watch Midnight Run. Like <laughs> I another excuse to watch Beethoven second. I knew you were going to go for Beethoven, dude. Uh, Justin made a good point, man. Double feature Midnight Run, it seems like old time. Send Charles Groden off the Viking funeral way. Although, this is a true story, no bullshit. Um, last week, I think it was like last Monday or so, I was actually watching, he did a movie back in 2006 with Zach Graff, or Zach Braff called The X. Uh, I, I vaguely remember that. It was, yeah, Paul Rudd has a cameo in the beginning. Yeah. Um, it's, so it was Baltimore's Josh Charles. Um, because it was on YouTube for free, the whole movie. And I was like, Yeah, I haven't seen this in a while. I'll nothing else to do. I'll, I'll watch it. Wa- now, I've never watched a movie on YouTube. They, they 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 throw up commercials in between them, like when I listen to my albums and shit. See, I pay for YouTube, for, oh, okay. I pay premium. Yeah, so I, I, I pay enough streaming yeah, services. You will have commercials every like 20 minutes or so. Yeah, yeah fuck that noise. but um, I was watching it and I was like. Damn, this was 15 years ago, and Josh Groden looks old as shit in that movie. No, Charles Charles, no, I, I'm sorry, Charles Groden looks really old in that movie, and I'm like, that was 15 years ago. And I actually had to Google to see if he was still alive. This was a week ago, and oddly enough, it's like... Well, I mean, he was probably weird. in the 70s at least. How old was he? He was 86. I was going to say, it's, 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 he's had his time, man. He had his time. I mean, Christ. Wait, let me double Mid- check myself. Wait, Mid- he Midnight was, Run, he was probably yeah, late 40s. Huh? So Midnight Run would have put him in almost his, you know, mid to late 40s, Christ. Yeah, but he no. looked like you're... Uh, he didn't look like... Uh, he looked... I don't know. I just... I don't know. Charles Charles Grodin, like he always had this middle aged look to him, and yeah. then he went away for like a decade, and then he came back with that X movie. And all the, all I remember about seeing that movie for the first time was, damn, Charles Grodin aged. Yeah, I mean, I don't think, really, like I said, I think, he had thin gray hair. Like it was all like his middle aged look completely went away. Like I, there was no hinting at this; it just yeah. happened. Uh, I, I think the last new Charles Gruden flick I had watched was that fucking Clifford movie with Martin Short. Oh, God. I'm yeah, right. No, I'm I'm a, Clifford. Yeah. Some of them are fun, but some of them are scary, Uncle Martin. Yeah, it's just, I don't know, man. Just watch that. Last, I got like, to watch Midnight Run now to watch the taste of this shit out of my mouth. Last movie I saw him in was uh, that um, No Bound Backs while we're young. Oh, God. he's in that? That's yeah. gonna, uh, Adam Horowitz in it, right? Ad Rock's in it, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, I started that. I started that. I never finished You've never it. seen it? I, 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 it was okay. I mean, like, like Box. I like it. It's, I wasn't mad at it. I think it was probably late, and, like, I just kind of, you know, wasn't really feeling it. It was, like, threw it on because I wanted to see what it was right. all about. Like, let's face it, Amanda Seyfried's easy on the eyes, and I wanted to see, you know, um, um, uh, King Ad Rock, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and it was it's cool. Like I read it, I was reading uh interview with you know Harvitz a couple of years ago and it just said like to him and Baumbach were like at one of their favorite delis or whatever after getting stoned, they went to go get some lunch. And he mentioned he's working on this new flick and he's like, Yeah, why don't you play this guy, man? It's not a huge part, but it's you know, you know, supporting role throughout. He did it as a favorite going in a few scenes. Yeah, yeah that's that's kind of why I fucking turned it off. I'm like, I wanted more head rock. Nah, I like that movie though, it's good. But um 
Yeah. Weekly recommends. What would you get for a six-year-old boy who chronically wets his bed? What do you got? Anything? Uh, again, I don't watch much anything, so I'm just going to pull one from the vaults. There you go. There's nothing wrong with that. Man, um, you know what I want to go back and revisit now I'm thinking about it? Is that Cohen Brothers True Grit? I I can get out and stay in court a couple in, in a while. I must have seen that like three or four times. And I remember, you know, was 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 Bridges nominated for that? Bridges was if was, wait. I know I know he won for Crazy Heart, but was he nominated for uh, Rooster Cogburn True Grit? Because I, I think he did. I don't, I don't remember. I don't know. I know Matt Damon was. Was he? Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm not 100. I really don't and that remember. was kind of that. That was kind of during like we talked before about McConaughey had his reconnaissance. There was there was kind of like a a Brolin Jeff Bridges. No, Brolin had one for sure back in like the 2010 era. He had he had that run because he had this Wall you know, Street. Um, he had the um, uh, he was you know, Milk and Milk. Uh, no Country for, no country for Old Men. Right, that's what kind of. He was in the Wall Street sequel. He was in this. He was in um, uh, American Gangster. That's right, American Gangster. So it was like he had that kind of run, almost like alongside McConaughey, where he was just like firing at all cylinders. Yeah, yeah, you know, and from like 2007 to 2010. Yeah, a little, little, little Brandon Walsh, you know, made good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> good reference. Um, yeah, good movie, definitely. So, yeah, that's, that's what I'm going to say. I mean, true grit. I watch it in a bit. Looking at it right now on my shelf, and I've been meaning to go back and revisit it. Mandy really dug it. Like I said, she's not even, she's not really that big into Western, but she really appreciated it, too. Of course, she likes a lot of, I turn her on to Cohen Brothers. She likes a lot of Cohen Brothers shit. Nice. Um, my recommend is going to Spiral. I told you guys last episode I was seeing it. Well, we went Saturday night. We saw the thing. Um I think tonight, after I get back from bowling, I'm going to record a quick 20-minute film film attack episode on it because I want to talk about this movie. I really fucking do. Yeah, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna wait till you put it on your voodoo. Yeah, I definitely want to talk about it. And like, also while I'm mentioning it, while I'm bringing it up right here, just urging people: I took the leap. Go back to the movies. It's safe to return. Cinemas need us more now than ever. Get off your ass if you're a fan of film. Support your theaters. Well, support your local theaters first and foremost. But just support theaters in general because it needs a bounce back. And I, the theater that me and Mads went to, we saw it in IMAX. Like, I think I mentioned that. And I, it, it was bare bones empty. And this was like Saturday night prime time. If it was any other Saturday night, you know that theater would have been jam-packed. But like... What was the mask, mask situation like? Well, I don't have to anymore because I'm, you know, I am vaccinated. And yeah, but I mean, how, did, did he make you show your papers? What is that shit all about? No, I mean, no. I wore I I wore mine in there for Madeline, so Madeline didn't feel left out because Madeline had to wear hers. So I took mine anyway and wore it, but then I took it off and let her put hers down during the movie. But like, they don't have like anybody walking around checking. There's no like, you know. HD or there's no like night vision goggles or, or anything like that. <laughs> Checking mean, out cameras like looking for mass mass detected. It's nothing like that, you know. Yeah. I will comment though on the situation. I don't know if they're just lack of 
staff members at the, but the theater in particular that we were in dude it was dirty as shit we actually had to move down two seats because the seats that we were assigned to there was just trash and everything just all over the, our seats and i'm like damn it looks like no one's been in this theater to clean it for the last two days <laughs> so yeah but other than that you know just get off your ass and get out there if you can guys it's just <clears throat> Yeah, maybe, I, know, maybe. I know it's hard. I know it's really hard to convince people now because you go, know, especially you got this HBO Max situation. It's like not doing the cinema houses any any fucking favors. But hey, what's the uh, is is there a final is there a final word on Villeneuve's Dune? I mean, it been back and forth because he don't want him to do that. I mean, I I I, I want him to do that. I Before we went on the air, I read from Joe Blow that there there's an exec saying. Eh, eh. We are going, you know, to HBO Max. Good. But I didn't actually read the article because we were about to hit record. (laughs) But I did see the headlines saying update, you know, exec says not so fast. So I I don't know. I just hope hope it doesn't, you know, because he was like, oh, if we do this, I'm not doing the second half. Like, fuck that noise, man. But then there's like this discovery merger that happened yesterday apparently that just threw a whole monkey wrench into the whole ordeal I, I, I don't know I, I to be honest I'm not you know I'm kind of ignorant when it comes to Dune because I don't know it I'm not familiar with it you know yeah it's, I, I'm really and shit. I, I saw the first one in the theater I enjoyed it but it was you know it was, it, it was a hatchet job yeah, I never read the books. They're like epic tomes, but I know a lot about the story. Never got to see the um, you know, the the the, the TV miniseries with William Hurt as uh, Duke Leto, Atreides. But I'm looking forward to it. Though. I think it's you know, I think Bill knows the right guy to do it. Yeah, well, I mean, it's, it's, yeah. all right. So let's talk about this movie, shall we? McConaughey, Pacino, say nothing else. Yeah. I'm in. I'm all in. This is two for the money. Kansas City is seven and one against a point spread coming off a Monday night game. Take KC minus the six. Call me tomorrow for my pro football game of the year. Until then, this is Brandon Lang saying good night and good gambling. You know, networks don't talk about it. Government can't tax it. But sports betting is a $200 billion a year business. Hello. Congratulations, you went 9-2 and two last Sunday. This is Walter Abrams. I run the biggest sports service in the country. This is a joke, right? No joke. I want you to come to New York and work for me. Whoa! A Marlboro man here. Hey, Lee, that's me 30 years ago, right? He's a little taller. I'll give him that. I'm gonna build an empire around you. We're gonna start by giving you a new name. John Anthony, the Million Dollar Man. Listen to what he's asking you. I'm in. If you do this, there's no harm back. You understand what I'm saying? John Anthony here, ready to make all your betting dreams come true. John Anthony, huh? All I see is another wannabe in a thousand dollar suit. Where did the wise keep the suit you came in with? All right, Jethro? This guy is a machine. All he does is work out and pick winners. 10 in 2, 85% weekend. You're a mutant! Winning's one of those rare commodities on earth that money cannot buy. Until you called me. Be like Monday night. I I don't know. Pick one. There's like a million dollars riding on that game. Oh, there's like a whole lot more than that. 
You go two for 12 on our highest volume weekend ever, and what's left to say? I lost 380,000. I had a life. I built an empire around him. I'm finished. You have to get out. He will ride you into the ground. I gotta go back to being me. You made a career choice, buddy. You've lost it. I'm not asking you if I can leave Walter. I'm telling you, it's over. If you want something from me, you're gonna have to rip it out of my talons. You feel that? You feel that? You feel that? Two for the money. This is dangerous territory. All right, so first time viewings. Uh, it's, it's just that. You see, this is actually uh, my, my first time. No, no, my first, it's my first time uh, since my first time. So technically, that's my second time. And I don't, I don't, I don't want to suck at it. So if I'm not up to... When did you see this for the first time? Uh, so I, I might have rented it or caught it on cable. You know what I mean? I didn't seek it out. Okay. And I can't really remember. It doesn't stand out. You know, I think I, 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 we talked about this before where Mandy and I started watching a few months ago and, you know, we never finished it. And I wound up just going back and just restarting last night. Um, so I completely forgot how it ended, you know, until I finally finished it last night. So I really can't say I'd seen it more than one time before yesterday. So, okay. Um, I actually did catch this in the theaters. Um, did you? Yeah, I was with my friends Emily and Rachel, and uh, when this and it was one week in particular, we just kept on meeting up and going to the Beltway movies down the street because it was like two dollars. Yeah, I remember. Saw, we went like two nights in a row and saw Wedding Crashers, and then the third night we went and it was like, well, we don't feel like watching Wedding Crashers for a fucking third time, so let's check out this two for the money. So I'm like, dude, it's McConaughey Pacino, two bucks, I'm in. Let's, let's see what we can do with this. And I ended up liking it uh, because I can, at that time, I was really into not sports betting in particular, but I kind of like had, I, I can relate because I was playing a lot of like Hold'em and poker and shit. Right. For, for money, not like that fucking free shit online. Yeah. That's, you, you mentioned wedding crashers, you know, <laughs> not, not, not to spend too much time on it, but you know, I first saw wedding crashers that, um, uh, yeah, I saw it in the theater, but it was it was that week when when me, you, and Venker all happened to be down Ocean City at the same time. Oh, when I turned twenty one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When I had when I, when we had that, when I had that, I had that sweet ass. Yeah, condo. that 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 big ass con. Up, up yeah, that condo. Like my mom floors. left. My mom left midway through the week, and we just had to me, you, me. We we had that whole condo to ourselves, or it was I, mine. I was the only one there. I remember it. Yeah, we 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 partied the shit out of the condo for the last three days because mom just dipped up and went back to Baltimore on Wednesday and I had to shit till Saturday. Yeah, I think it was raining or whatever that day, and me and Vanker decided to fucking go to the movies. We went over to Gold Coast and saw Wedding Crashers. Okay, sound about right? You'd been about twenty one when you were playing poker and watching Two for the Money in the theater. Oh yeah, definitely. Oh uh, yeah, so that was this, this, um, at the same time. Yeah, because I think I saw Wedding Crashers like fucking five times that summer total. I saw that shit a lot that summer. <laughs> um. But yeah, I saw this. Um, I ended up, like I said, not being mad at it. I, I dug it. I could relate. Um, I thought then, and I still think today, that Pacino's performance is a little fucking off. It's, there's something about it I can't put my finger on. What, in, in, um, in Jupiter Money? <clears throat> yeah. I mean, he's it's not... Pacino being Pacino, but like, there are some scenes where I'm like, is he fucking with me? Is he supposed to be doing this? Like, 
it's really bizarre. He's yeah, he's I mean, he's kind of, you know, he's not he's not Pacinoed up to eleven at any point. No, no, and that's that's good. Thank fucking right, right. And he's and I think it plays for the character. He's kinda like he's kinda like especially towards the end, he's harried, if that if that term makes any sense with, with what I'm talking about. He's just like just, okay, just some, you know what I mean? He's, he's fucking worn down by the end of this film. There's so much shit's going on with his personal life and his business and stuff. Um, but yeah, I, I agree. I wouldn't say it's off, but you can't go in there expecting she got a great ass. Oh, you got God, your yeah. head all the way up. You can't go in there expecting, you know, that Pacino. I don't think this film could have handled that Pacino being Pacino <laughs> on top of McConaughey. Really McConaughey's already McConaughey in this movie. Yeah, yeah, right. There's not a really a scene that calls for it, you know. Yeah, Although, no. It, I, I will, I will say this, and I made notes. We'll probably get to it during the during, during the plot discussion. But around the mid, around the midway point, it starts feeling like a devil's advocate. You know, it, it starts playing like devil's advocate did. Like I, I felt like they just the exact same, you know, vibe between Walter and Brandon that I did between, you know, John Milton. Kevin, you know, it's I don't know why it just kind of plays a little okay. bit of devil's advocate around the midway mark. Well, hopefully, when we get to that part in the plot breakdown, you can uh, relate or just go into more detail. Which you I, mean by I will, that. I will, I will. I'm curious. When we get to it, I'll, I'll, I'll address okay. it. Okay, cool, cool. But because let's yeah. face it, devil's advocate, he gave you Pacino to 11. You know what I mean? <laughs> Look, but don't touch, touch, right. but don't taste. Um, I I don't even have a story time for this. I really don't. So let's just jump into this fucker, shall we? Here right. we go. Cool, cool, cool. All right. So our film opens with well, the hold word. on, hold on. I made a note here, man. Right at the very beginning, I missed that Morgan Creek theme song. I haven't heard that in a while. You mean that Prince of Thieves theme song? <laughs> what do you mean, Prince of Thieves? Is that, that for fucking me? no, dude? That. You know this? That's that. All right, that song is actually from the Robin Hood Prince of Thieves uh, soundtrack. It's in the movie. It's the theme song for the fucking movie. Morgan Creek just took it from the movie and made it really. That that came from Robin Hood Prince of Thieves. That. I didn't um, know they appropriated that. I thought that was theirs. Like I, I like I haven't like that came up. I'm like, man, I, used, I always loved hearing that. I always knew it was in for a good movie when I heard that. No, that that came from fucking Michael Cameron's score from Prince right. of Thieves, which was a Morgan Creek production, but still, like they just right. So they were like, oh, we got rights to it's ours now. But I know what you mean. Okay, I, I, I'm with you, and I actually forgot that they did this because I it it they coded it with. Universal, but I thought it was strictly Universal. I didn't know it was Morgan Creek. Yeah, it opens up with the Morgan Creek logo and that and that rising, you know, symphony. Like it's, I don't know, it's a lot of horns or whatever. But yeah, I, like I yeah, said, I missed that. Like I hadn't heard that in a while. Yeah, it's been a minute. Um, so yeah, the film opens with the words "inspired by a true story." So I made a note here. <laughs> what was the story? Do you have any idea? Like what inspired? Was it just inspired by the concept of sports betting or? This is as much of a true story as the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. That's what I figured. Okay, exactly. Inspired by a true story, meaning, um, yeah, people bet on sports and other people make advisement, you know, 
businesses out of there, it. There you go. You know, there's no Brenda Lang. There's no. I don't uh, think so. I mean, I'm sure it's it's someone's personal story somewhere out there. <laughs> but it, it's it's nothing. Yeah. So we see a young seven year old Brendan Lang playing baseball with his dad. McConaughey providing a voiceover about how he never forgot that day because of the smile on his dad's face. Uh, this is when we see Brandon trying to play basketball and football with his dad as his older self tells us about how he's going to win all the trophies for his dad. He did it, but his dad didn't see it because he left before his 10th birthday. And this is, you know, alcoholism, you know, cliche thing here. Yep. To blame for it. So then uh, get the title card as we're taken to the conference championship with an order Lang now played by McConaughey with a long shitty wig. Yeah, setting up the winning touchdown at the end of the game. His voice server tells us that he's been a quarterback since PB football, and he set high school records and won state championships. And then he tells us that this was his moment and that he knew that what was next. But then final play, we see Lang run the ball into the end zone himself. He does, but at the cost of a severe gnarly fucking leg injury. Yeah, you hear that crunch. He's like, my first thought was tape it up and I'll play next week. Then I puked. <laughs> yeah, and that just, that instantly reminded me of fucking poor Alex Smith's fucking injury a couple years, or a couple seasons back from uh, when he was a Redskin and that happened to his leg. Just, uh yeah, and I mean, I, I, it, I'm not career ending. Really I'm going to be asking you a little more questions on this because I'm not as big into sports as you are. You know, no, I, understand, that's fun. I understand the game and you know all that stuff, but you know, I'm well, not. You probably a, have questions about how like this gambling and booking all works and shit. Well, there's a few things. I mean, I I, I dig it. What you know, where where I, like where he talks about Monday's your last chance to parlay off of the weekend and all this. I mean, it all makes sense right. to me. But the ins and outs, man, it's just like the uh, like. I was never a sports guy, a stats guy. I mean, Christ, it's one thing you got over me. I follow it. That's fun. Ask away. Ask away. Um, So we have Lang in the operating room asking how much time he'll be out. What kind of rehab time? Yeah. Uh, So then we cut to six years later. Lang's doing voice recordings for celebrity hotlines when he's asked to cover for the uh, agency sports hotline guy. Yeah, he's what's he recording the Jessica Simpson fan newsletter? Some fan newsletter. And the guy pops over and he's he's like, I'm in the middle of taping, boss. Yeah. (laughs) Taping on this, like, really short. A little little micro cassette. MP3 player, not MP3. Player. It looks like an it's MP3 a, player. It's a micro cassette recorder, like the cassettes you put in the old school answer machines, the little tiny cassettes. Oh God, that's what they were using. Mm. Okay, they just turn them in at the little window at the end of their shift. Um. So then Lang, uh, so Lang continues to tell the audience through a voice server that the guy's gig was sports handicap, predicting winners for people who bet. Immediately after sitting down, he changes the guy's picks to his own, and then we see him going to the guy's clients with his own insight, you know, since he played college ball prior to his career on an injury. Um, Lang's quickly becoming the biggest sports hotline guy around as we see him laying down his weekly 900 recording, and then he's going to his he's going to collect his check when he fights with his boss, Steve, over because uh, he says that he went 9-2 and two in pro football the week before. He hit his third straight parlay, but his boss Steve says he can't afford it. Suggests that he makes his own picks doing his own gig. 
Um, I had a question yeah. here. Like, how are these guys? Like, it's like a little. Obviously, it's a little call center sitting in cubicles, and they're with his initial gig there. He's just recording this, a fix. This like is a hot, team. So this how are these? Yeah, it's definitely it's it's definitely like an extended car warranty fucking scam. But I wanted to know, like, how are these guys even validated and justified on their pay? Like, how do they track what they're? I, mean, I, I don't know. That that, that part escapes me. I, I I don't I don't understand how that how they do that either. Okay, uh, I know how they do it, but not at this level because this is some like low grade shit that he's working for. Yeah. You know, this is this is a company that does sports line, but then it also does celebrity hotlines for Jessica Simpson. You know, it, it, right. it's it's just a shady shit. It's all it ain't the real deal. Like what it becomes later on in the film, because um, these companies are legit. Well, oh, back, back then they weren't. Back then they were kind of like infomercial-esque, shady, shitty companies, you know. But anyway, we'll get into that as we go along. Um, Brandon rides his bike home where his kid brother Danny's working on a car. Uh, we see his mother give out, you know, gives him what turns out to be another rejection letter because of his leg. He says that he's only got two teams left before there's always the CFL. CFL is essentially Canadian Football League. Ah, and, and might I mention, this is where we get the first of our topless Matthew McConaughey obligatory shirtless shots. Yeah, he's seen he working out. Weights, got his yeah. shirt off. So we got to get, you know, McConaughey's got to get his top off in the first, you know, 10 minutes of the screen time. And boom, there it is. Hey, man, McConaughey's got to get motivated and optimistic about his future, okay? Yeah, but he's got to do it without a shirt on. Yes, that's right. It's the McConaughey way. <laughs> So, it reminds me of that. Of that, um, did you ever watch that that Zach Galifianakis between two ferns, where he like actually like interviews celebrities, but he's roasting them at the time. You know, yeah, you know I, I, I've seen, I've caught a couple of people. They're fucking hysterical. So the one, there's one that he does in McConaughey, right? And it's I think it's right after he got the Oscar for Dallas Buyers Club, and he starts the interview. He's like, um, or he's he asked McConaughey, he's like. Uh, first, before we get started, I just want to ask, are you feeling okay? Because like, I feel fine. Why? Because you got your shirt on. Let's <laughs> make sure you're yeah. all right. <laughs> just kind of rolls his eyes and looks away. Like, the fuck am I doing here? Jesus Christ. Yeah, but he's like, are you feeling okay? Well, because you're wearing a shirt. So I going to make sure everything was all right. Yeah. Um, and that, this is where I made a note here. Um, we mentioned cockiness last week. Where does this performance stand compared to last week's little ditty? Uh, you're talking about like the, the, his 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 swagger, like his cockiness. Cockiness um, between him and the movie itself, like just to even showcase this shit. I mean, it's like like we said before, it's part of practically contractual obligation at this point. I'm your you know hunk of hunk of man meat. You gotta you know. You got to show off my chest. I mean, Christ, I think his nickname for the, for, for the, for, from 2000, 2009 was the chest. You know what I mean? That guy had his shirt off. <laughs> Christ was a server dude. He didn't, he, didn't, he didn't wear anything but those fucking board shorts. You know what I mean? Right. So, right. I mean, it's, it's typical, you know, McConaughey leading role, but at least here he's not playing against a bunch of vapid, despicable fucking assholes like that last movie we did. <laughs> Let me just take this moment to stop and just let our listeners know that I I'm I'm taking the L for this one or for last week's film. Yeah, you better. I, I am. I'm taking the L. 
I'm taking one for the team, as they say, because I dropped the ball. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. This I'm dipshit sorry. had okay. to do two hours on how to lose a guy in 10 days. I figured, doing. hey, Bravo likes to share this fucker every other weekend. So I figured maybe we'll cover it on the show and we'll get some new listeners. But Exactly. Who the fuck has watched Bravo since the late 90s? Uh, I didn't even know that channel was still on the air. Well, it, it, it is. I've seen it. <laughs> was I, I figured it was nothing but marathons of Queer Eye for the Straight Guy. And Real Housewives. That's what exactly. <laughs> they actually and, show movies on the damn thing like they used and to. And in between, How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. <laughs> That's <just> it. <laughs> to break up the, the Queer Eye and Housewives marathon, here's your rom-com with McConaughey. And we'll get right back to the you know, Queer Housewives <laughs> of San Fernando Valley. <laughs> Allow us to pause while we give you McConaughey for a couple hours. <laughs> right. Oh shit! <laughs> I don't know why I laughed as hard as I did, but that was funny. Uh, <laughs> I'm glad I could still make you laugh, pal. Oh, after shit. all these years. Uh, all right, so Brandon, uh, he's riding his bike. Loves that bike to work. Try. Yeah, now this time it's a bicycle. Unlike last week's film, this is an actual bike. Like you, yeah, you ride like two wheels. Right, yeah, it's not a motorcycle. He's actually riding a bike. I like what he says when he put because he pulls up in a hot girl in a convertible, and he's like, "What's he goes? Should I ride shotgun or you want to hop on the handlebar? Hop, yeah, package ain't that great, but there's a prize on the inside. <laughs> That's a little bit McConaughey cocky swagger right there. Oh yeah, especially how he just sits, stands there on his bike like with his arms raised, all the cars are trying to get by. It's like, what the fuck, dude? Right, pedal, move on. Um, so yeah, he's going, he's going to, uh, to his office. And he's so cool. He rides a bicycle all the way to his desk. Oh yeah, man. He went he, nine and two last Sunday. Yeah, man. He doesn't have to get off that bike till he gets to his fucking seat. He went nine and two. He, uh, it's, even <laughs> though that makes no for fucking 10 bucks sense. An hour. Real quick though, that nine and two shit, that makes no fucking sense at all anyway, because there's a lot more than what? 11. Nine plus two is eleven. There's a lot more than eleven games a week for football on Sundays. Is okay. Yeah. So um, unless I'm missing something here, but again, nine and two tells me that he was nine and two with his picks, which means that's eleven games. Yeah. No. Last I checked, there was a lot more than that. Um. So he tells him that he's got that uh, Pacino calls. Pacino's uh. Walter Abrams, he uh, calls to congratulate him on going nine and two last Sunday, and he tells him that he's a big fan and that this isn't a joke; it's a job offer. This is Brandon. Congratulations, you went nine and two last Sunday. This is Walter Abrams. I don't know if you know me, but I run the biggest sports service in the country, and I'm a big fan of yours, Brandon. As a matter of fact, I got a poster of you on my wall. This is a joke, right? No, this is not a joke. This is a job offer. Now. In your top drawer, go ahead, open it up. There's an envelope with your name on it. Now, that's travel cash and an airline ticket. It's not a magic trick, Brandon. I paid someone to put it there, who incidentally told me that the place you're in reminded them of a Turkish prison. Now, all I'm asking you to do is come up with a number. You write down the number of what you make now, you cross it out, you write what you should be making, and then you toss in how much it's going to take to get you to fly to New York first class and come work for me. Now, focus, Brandon, focus. 
With your bum knee, a comeback is just a dream. My offer is real. Run the numbers, do the math. Hold on a second. Yeah. And then we see Brandon taking a flight out to New York for his first time, catching a limo to Walters. There's that driver. Yeah, man. Getty Watanabe, baby. What's happening, hot stuff? <laughs> Fuck, I <laughs> loved it, man. It was, he showed what up. What are you calling yes, him? Getty Watanabe, man. And, he's, and it, it, it's, it's all to um, um, fucking push a man. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, man, I love pushing, man. But yeah, Getty Watanabe showing up as as the as the fucking chauffeur, man. You can't beat it. I was glad to see that guy still getting work. <coughs> Film effects favorite. His name is Gadi Watanabe. Oh, is what that is that? It's, I've been mispronouncing it all these years. Gadi Watanabe. It's 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 Gadi Watanabe. Dude, I've been calling him Getty Watanabe since the fucking eighties. All right, well, good to know. Hey, man, Sorry, you correct me. Gide. Sometimes I got to return the favor. Yeah, it's, well, if Gadi's listening, man, my condolences, bro. I'm a big fan. Always have been. Oh, yeah. Film effect favorite for sure. Yeah, man, so, definitely. Won't I be the last time I, we covered Gadi I totally Gide forgot he was in this. I totally uh, forgot. Yeah, yes, me too. Showed up last night. It was a pleasant surprise. So I, I actually wrote it all like big as shit. Gadi Watanabe. Big exclamation mark. And the fact that they're playing Pusher Man. Says he's only worked for Walter for two weeks. Um, and he rants about how it's the best job ever. <laughs> so right. Brandon arrives at Walter's pad, and he's been negotiating. He's, he's seen negotiating with the circus over the phone. Jeez, like, I don't need he's, he's trying to get an elephant for his daughter's, daughter's birthday, birthday party, and he delivers that line on the phone. He's like, "I don't need to take parenting advice from a guy who doubles as a clown. I need a fucking elephant." <laughs> this guy hangs up on. He's like, "Give me Ringling Brothers." That's what he said. He says he's willing to pay whatever it takes. And then uh, the, 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 the two meet. And then Walter mentions that Brandon's, you know, him from 30 years ago before sneaking a cigarette. Nobody knows this, Lisa, okay? So before I die, you do anything other than sports phone in Vegas? Just the 900 recordings, you know, 10 bucks a call. That's chump change. I mean, we're going after much bigger fish here. You know, networks don't talk about it. Government can't tax it. But sports betting is a $200 billion a year business. Whoa. Yeah. A lot of gamblers out there, man. And they have needs. And come Monday morning after a losing weekend, they got big needs. Gargantuan. See that? That's every football game played last Sunday. You know why Monday night football is the most watched football game in a week? Because Monday's the last chance bettors have climb out of the hole they got themselves in in order to pay their bookies on Tuesday. Sports betting is illegal, 49 states, including this one. But what we do is not. We are 100% legal, like stockbrokers. Only instead of touting stocks, we advise people on how to bet. Now, if a client wins by taking our advice, we get a percentage, or we ask for one, which they will gladly give us because they want to keep getting the advice. But if they lose, we get zip. So the object here, my dear, tall, athletic, religious friend, is to win. I can do that. And then Walter then shows him his cable show that airs on Saturday and Sunday mornings nationwide. Yeah, and I love, I love how he complains to sister he's bitching about his hair. He's like, we got one part of my head in Cleveland, the other half's in Chicago. Yes, but <laughs> exactly. Make a thing out of the way he has his hair, his hair looks. Um, Brandon asks why picks are free. 
along with a series of other questions, all of which Walter never really actually answers, just comments on the actual question and then says, next question, over and over. Um, he then sends Brandon to a stylist for a manicure before picking up the phone and asking if this is Barnum or Bailey. Yeah, just like Ringling Brothers are lying too. say, hello, is this Barnum or Bailey? This is Barnum or Bailey. <laughs> so you got... Brandon now being introduced to Rene Russo's Tony, uh, who's doing Brandon's nails and asking a series of personal questions, including if he's a gambler. And it gets more and more personal when um, he tells her that he doesn't bet. He then starts hitting on her pretty hard and confidently before she reveals that she's the wife of Walter. Tony clearly controls everything, including Walter himself. She then congratulates Brandon on the new job. So we got Walter showing Brandon his new place. I want to talk about this new pad because I fucking dig this new pad. Yeah, it's a, it's it's a sweet little pad. Yeah, it's it's brownstone. Well, I'm guessing they're like I don't know. It's a, it's obviously a brownstone. I didn't pick up until the end because I made a note and then crossed it out. Like they actually lived like he got him a house across the street from his own, basically. Like they live across the street from each other. I thought it was next door. But something like that. That's well. Either way, it's like you no, know. no, you know, it is across the street. It is. I was, I'm thinking the. I'm thinking about the last scene right now, and that's right. It is across the street. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, like I didn't pick that up to the last scene because at one point I made a note like, where are these characters in proximity to each other? It looks like they were in the office, but then suddenly they rush into each other's house. So like it wasn't making sense to me. But it, it does well, it now, becomes, and it, it does. It looks it like becomes a grand- actually apparent during the circus scene or the elephant, the birthday party. Right, that's when it becomes apparent of how close they actually live. Well, it was to me, it was a bit vague even at that point. Like I just thought they happened to be throwing a party in a park across street from where he ran a McConaughey's place. I didn't realize that was, you know, Walter and Tony's place. You know, because it's a brownstone. Like I said, it's a couple of brownstones, and it's, yeah. I don't know much about the boroughs, but it's probably you know Bed Stuy or, or, or Greenwich Village or something. It's nice, very open. Yeah, it's definitely nice. He's got a helmet. You know, he's got that. You know, he's got his little gym, like, right in between his living room and his and his work-from-home office. Yep. You know? Walter then breaks down the, the job to Brandon. He's going to start him on a 900 line like he had in Vegas. Makes him, he uh, makes his picks each day and records them Monday through Friday, once a day, five times a day on the weekend. Each call is worth $25 a shot. He can really only afford one to three, one to three hits a week, but that's nothing. He says they should triple it. Then Walter has a new, has a few words for Brandon directly. His pitch sucks, but he's got potential. He just got to bust him out. Starts with a new name, John Anthony. It just came to him. Your pitch sucks. No offense, but you got potential. So we got to find a way to bust you out. Bust me out. Yeah, we're gonna start by giving you a new name. John Anthony. Just came to me. John Anthony, the million dollar man. What's wrong with Brandon Lang? Nothing's wrong with Brandon Lang. It's just that he's still living with his mummy. John Anthony's living large. He don't hold back. He's got a direct line to God. And for a measly 25 bucks a call, he's gonna let the world's losers listen in. And then we get film effect favorite. A montage. Yeah, the McConaughey, baby. Brandon making numerous attempts at a successful pitch with Walter shooting down each and every time. <laughs> well, what, what, what we, happens we, in the end of that montage? We need to start having a like, montage counter. It's, what happens at the end of that, at that montage is, is like he keeps turning in like subpar. He's recording on CD. He keeps turning in subpar CDs to Walter's office. 
And then, and he keeps, he's Walter's like, he keeps, you know, he needs to juice it up. He needs, you know, he needs more energy. He's like, I, I would have hung up by now. Um, so what, what finally solidifies that you see him, you know, he's working out, he's like, you know, pumping iron, getting all the adrenaline up. And then as soon as he puts a weight down, he's, he's like all fired up from the workout and he runs in and records. Yeah, I remember that one. Yeah. He runs in and records the one. And then he takes it. In. That's right. Okay. He takes it in. Brandon goes to Walter with what he feels is the ultimate push. And like you did noon, I just said, it kind of is. Walter says it's a start. But then, as he's about to continue on, he sort of half faints, and Brandon rushes to his side to help him with his heart pills. His pills that seemingly work instantaneous. Well, I was, uh, I, was thinking about, I was thinking about that, and I'm not saying they work that fast, but you know what he's taking? He's taking nitroglycerin. That's what Walter Okay, I didn't pick up on what they were. I just thought yeah, they well, were I, I, only, I, I only know because my Nana had, had a heart condition. It's, you know, what killed her um but she used to have nitroglycerin pills and they were really really tiny pills and they were in a little tiny like bottle these. in fact i remember asking one time like man if i throw one of these against a wall will it explode because it's nitroglycerin but if she had like uh, symptoms coming on like that where she felt like there was going to be you know heart issue whatever like she, i had to hurry up and get her nitroglycerin pill and within a few minutes she would it would kind of subside itself much like you know you take a fast acting, you know, Prilosec or something for your heartburn. It subsides pretty quick. I'm not saying it's instantaneous. Like Susie swallows a pill, the heart's better, but that's to me, that's what Walter's taking is he's taking nitroglycerin for his heart. And so I can just tell that by okay. the, the, the speed of the reaction, if you will. And just the, the size of the pill bottle and the pills themselves. So I'm assuming he's taking nitroglycerin for his heart. Okay. Gotcha. And then just lights up a cigarette and says, Kurt <laughs> wants to laugh. So now it's football time. Even though, and this shit confused the hell out of me. And if you're a football fan listening, you understand why. So we know it's football time because you hear that football theme song playing. Now, let's take a moment to acknowledge that, that fucking theme song that's playing is the Monday Night Football theme song. Even though this scene yeah. and it, it plays on a out on a Sunday while yeah. all the games are being shown, it just right. threw me way off. I'm like, wait a minute! Like, I actually I mean, you know, they, they, one, Monday Night they, Football. They they might as well have taken um um who did it from from last Boy Scout Friday night's a great night for football. You know what I mean? But I think that the difference is I now. I may be wrong here, but I may be right. The last action hero was able to get the rights to the NFL's names and likelihood or, or likeliness. Maybe. I haven't seen the last action, uh, last Boy Scout, and it's been a couple years. So I may be wrong. But no, the last Boy Scout this, had no rights. This anyway, film, was, this film were, for damn sure, didn't. I don't know. Which don't makes know, just, me wonder how they got the usage to that song because the end game at the at the end Super Bowl was called the Super Forty, not the Super Bowl. So I was getting kind of uh, Al Pacino any given Sunday flashbacks and just you know the Los Angeles Sharks. Yeah, the Sharks. 
So I, I don't know. But yeah, that that just threw me off the the whole Monday Night Football theme song being played. Um, yeah, I, I like this bit with Brandon riding his bike home and passing the elephant on the way. Yeah, <laughs> he gets out, he gets out of the shower and Walter yells from outside for an update. Um, if to the east, this is our down. second. This is our second topless McConaughey. He's fresh out the shower with a towel on. Walk around his living room. So it's, yes, we right. Get, yeah, thirty minutes in. Walter's outside. Asked, Walter, Walter's outside asking for an update. How we're doing? And he writes down the piece of paper six and zero. Oh, but then when he puts it up to the window, it's, it looks like it's, it's upside down. So it says nine. Uh, oh and nine. Oh and nine. Like, right. Bullshit. And he flips it over and he's like, "Yeah." Um. So yeah, Walter and Tony at their daughter's birthday party. Uh, Walter is raving over Brandon, saying all he does is work out and pick winners. He's a machine. Walter then starts talking about Brandon's shirtless and that Tony should seriously check him out. She knows. <laughs> even, he's, even, he's, even Pacino's seeing the cliche mid-production. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah she's uh, he's like trying to like set her up with him. It's just weird. She tells him that. Uh, Get it out of his head that it's a bad neighborhood. That's what she says to him. Um, and we get a quick scene of Walter on his desk looking over the overall results from the day. It says that Brandon's up 82% overall from his previous week's picks. So, next scene, it's revealed that he went 20 and 24, which again makes no sense. 20, there's no, there's, no. <laughs> these numbers these, in this movie is kind of confusing. Uh, not adding up to actual like football stats. No, they're. I mean, I, again, like I said before, unless I am missing something, I don't know. It's just not adding up. Twenty four, twenty four. What? So, Brandon's at dinner with Tony and Walter. Uh, Brandon's very out of touch, as he's seen mispronouncing bruschetta. Well, little pizzas, as Walter says. Yeah, he's 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 a bit uh, out of his element because it's more high class, and you know he's more blue. He's more of a blue collar guy. Tony's past drinking behavior is mentioned. So Brendan thanks the two of them for everything and says that he's never even had a twelve dollar bottle of water before. Uh, this is when Brendan makes eye contact with Jamie King's Alexandria from across. I was going to say I, th I, th I thought that was Jamie King. She's there with two larger Italian-looking goons. Walter notices the situation, and he bets Brandon ten to one on a thousand, or in other words, ten thousand dollars in cash that he can't pick her up. That this is clearly a gambling film with casual bets like that just being tossed around. Um, yeah, put his bet on dating women, man. This guy can't get away from it. He keeps getting dared and betting into dating women. I know, right? <laughs> Soon. Tony wants to leave and is against the idea of Walter betting again, but he says it's a friendly challenge. I had the friendly quarter since the eights. Randy goes to introduce himself, but Walter insists on going over first. Walter goes over to their table and says that he wants to tell her that she's drop dead gorgeous, but her dates look like they haven't missed Camille since Christ, Christ died. died. Excuse me, I don't mean to interrupt or anything like that, but I just gotta know this. We're sitting over there with my friends, and I'm just thinking, you are drop dead gorgeous, and we just want to know your dates look like they haven't missed a meal since Christ died. I mean, seriously, you guys are eating like you got a date with the electric chair. What is this? No, no, no. 
It's all over. Sit, sit, sit. Just joking. Sorry. I don't want to get uh, wounded with a fork. Jerk. A moron. I'm gone. Thank you very much. What the hell was that? <laughs> Went too far. Oh. <laughs> uh, you, t- you tell us, Tony, that he'll send over a bottle of champagne, but she tells him that the- he's going to pick up their check instead. Uh, this is when Brandon thanks Walter for the introduction and then goes to meet her in the hall. Walter says, John Anthony will close the deal. So in the hall, Brandon, excuse me, Brandon introduces himself to Alexandria, but she tells him that she, he just wants to get into her pants. And I'm not a fan of her stale wooden acting in this. And I always I'm normally a fan of hers. I'm not. I'm normally a fan of hers. Yeah. Um, She's he says there. no. He wants to get into her heart, her mind, and her soul, and that he doesn't want to see her wearing any pants at all in the equation. He whispers something into her ear, and then we get the film's uh, gratuitous sex scene before the next morning at the office, and Walter promoting Brandon up to the second floor where they print the money. Yeah, it's where we print the money. Okay, forget the 900 numbers. Now you're ready. We're moving up. We're going to the second floor. This is where we print the money. Put your ear to the door. Wow. That's the sound of possibilities. This is it. This is where the salespeople turn a $10 better into a $1,000 better before he even knows he made the phone call. I'm asking, do they use AstroTurf or AstroPlay? Tammy, give it up, baby. You know what I need. Sure do. Tammy, this is Brandon. Okay, this is our phone sheet. The losers who need us. The more they bet, the more we win. We take 10% of a winning bet, anywhere from 500 to 500,000. That's South I'll stop holding back and let's make some serious money. What's the game plan this week? The game plan is you know to contact your book. So private security guard, bang a cheerleader, extract the information, okay? Well, it was a substantial sum. Walter, he's a little miffed at our picks. Just do what you gotta do, this is what I pay you for. Well, it says right here, your minimum bet is five grand. So let's be honest Reggie now. Talks. Can you move 50 large on yes. this game or not? I don't have time for this kind of shit, Jimmy. I know you're a loser. Because if you're such a big winner, you wouldn't have to pay cash to call me today. Got your head out of your ass yet? Congratulations. Is this my office? Well, do you like it? Oh, what's not to like? Well, thank you. Um... <clears throat> So Brandon's given a very nice and brown colored office. Ah, but hold on, man. That first shot, they walk into that sales floor. Who's the first guy you see working the phones? Oh, Jeremy Piven. Piven, baby. Jeremy Piven. Jerry Sykes is his name in this movie. Yeah, yeah. I forgot Piven was in this. He showed up and I'm like, yes, Jeremy Piven. Movie just got better. And you notice who the last person is right Next to Brandon's office. Yeah, it's a, it's a guy that that um he does a lot of shit with Kevin Smith, man. He he was in, he yeah, was Ralph, in that, Ralph Garman. Ralph Garman, that's his name. Ralph Garman. Yeah, he he's been doing a lot of stuff with Kevin Smith because he did that Red State movie, and they had like a podcast together for a while. That they one still Hollywood do. Babylon. They still do that Hollywood Babylon thing. Him Pretty sure Garman. they do. Okay, that's uh-huh. where I know him from. I mean, I obviously recognize him here, and I'd seen him on you know. Some other TV work and stuff, but lately he's been like Kevin. Family, he floor. does voice work in Family Guy. I think. He he's in a lot of Seth MacFarlane stuff. He's in a lot of what? He's in a lot of Seth MacFarlane stuff. Oh, okay, like okay, okay. Yeah, Ralph Guy and stuff. 
Yeah. Didn't yeah. he used to host something on, on E or Comedy Central or something a while ago, like one of them talk soup type shows or something? That wasn't Garmin. That was a guy who looks just like Ralph. Look like him. He had like a little gray streak in the front yeah. of his hair. They look a lot alike, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's what that's I'm thinking of. Okay. Him. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, I, I always yep. remember Ralph Garmin from Red State. Red State's a good little flick, too, man. An underlooked flick. Yeah. 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 I, it's, I, you, it doesn't feel like a Kevin Smith, Smith movie at all, but I dig it. It's a cool flick. You got Kevin Pollock, John Goodman. You know, yeah, uh, yeah the, 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 that. that's right. Yeah, the, the fucking great, you know, uh, 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 what's his name? Parks. Um, Michael Parks. Michael Parks. Michael Parks. Yeah. Can't believe the late Michael guys. Parks. The late Michael Parks. Love that fucking dude. Yeah, man. Red State. Definitely thumbs up from the film effect, guys. Check it out if you haven't. Come over here. I got it on Blu ray. It's, it's about the rapture. Mm hmm. Well, it's about fucking extreme fundamentalist Christians and shit, too. Is what it's well, mainly about. I don't know. I have I haven't seen it in a while, but it's definitely a great. I'm looking at it right now. I might fire that some bitch up later on. It's on Netflix. I'm gonna watch it later on. Is it? Yeah, I got the Blu-ray right here. All right. So uh, Walter tells him that it's all John Anthony's, and we're introduced to Jeremy Pippen's Jerry. Who pops in to brag about his recent success and how he's got a big pick in Miami that night. Brandon and Jerry have a friendly jabbing of sorts and he tells Jerry that New York's going to win that game now, right? <laughs> Jerry's like, I, I wish I had a pen so I could never write that down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Walter brings up Brandon's lack of usage of the word fuck and Brandon tells him that it's not because he's religious. He just doesn't really like to say it. Yeah, I don't want you, money. I want you. Book is fucking money. He announces that Brandon doesn't like to say the word fuck. Prompting everyone to yell, fuck you at Brandon. There's a few choice phrases we use. You just start with those. Now, here's an easy one. I don't want your money. I want your bookies fucking money. Give it back to me. I don't want your money. I want your bookies money. I don't want your money. I want your bookie's money. That's not bad. What happened to fuck? What about it? I said it. You don't use it? Nah. Wait, religious thing? No, it's not a religious thing. I just, I, I don't it use it. It was all right for Chaucer 600 years ago. Hey! I don't want to embarrass you, but I got to do this. I got someone here who has a problem saying fuck. Hold on. Fuck oh, you! Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Walter takes Brandon... Gamblers Anonymous. He ends up. Uh, That's a hell of a way to maintain your gambling addiction. Uh, my name is Walter, and I'm new to this group. But uh, I am certainly not new to these meetings. I've been coming 18 years now. Uh, as a matter of fact, friends, this is my 936th consecutive meeting. Hey, man, well done. Well done is right. And in all that time, I haven't once been to a track. Or a casino, or bet on a game. Hand of God, not a set. So, I know where you're coming from, Leon. Believe me, I know. I heard your story, and uh, it's something I relate to. But uh, I gotta say, if I learned anything, it's that gambling is not your problem. It's not. Not even close. I don't know how to say this without sounding a little rude, but you're a lemon, Leon. Like a bad car, there is something inherently defective in you. And you? and you, and me, and all of us in this room. We're all lemons. We look like everybody else, 
But what makes us different is our defect. You see, most gamblers, when they go to gamble, they go to win. When we go to gamble, we go to lose subconsciously. Me, I never feel better or more alive than when they're raking the chips away, not bringing them in, and everybody here knows what I'm talking about. Hell, even when we win, it's just a matter of time before we give it all back. But when we lose, now there's another story. When we lose, and I'm, I'm talking about the kind of loss that makes your asshole pucker up to the size of a decimal point. You know what I mean? You've just recreated the worst possible nightmare, this side of malignant cancer, for the 20th goddamn time, and you're standing there and you suddenly realize, hey, I'm still here. I'm still breathing. I'm still alive. Us lemons, we fuck shit up all the time on purpose because we constantly need to remind ourselves we're alive. Leon, gambling's not your problem. It's this fucked up need to feel something, to convince yourself you exist. That's the problem. <laughs> hey, you're, you're the guy I see on TV every weekend selling betting picks. So what? Oh, yeah, 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 he's right. This guy, this guy peddles a tout service on TV. You read the charter, buddy? We all left our jobs at the door? Well, you're gonna throw an ex-alcoholic bartender out of an AA meeting? What? You gonna do that? That's bogus, man. Hey, didn't you come in with this jerk? Come on, Brandon. I, I don't like the feeling I'm getting. If you rethink things, here's my card. What are you kidding We're topping 80% this season. Put it in your wallet. You never know when you get a relapse. Now, he does a great little monologue there, though. He's like, because they give a bunch of shit for, you know, being in a Gamblers Anonymous meeting and having the sports advisory show on, on cable every weekend. And he goes into a nice little monologue about what you, you know, yelling at, at a recovering alcoholic who was a bartender. Uh, on the way out, Brandon asked what the fuck that was. Brandon said, or Walter says that it was all worth it. Just so we could hear Brandon say fuck. Right. It's all it was for. Just so we could hear him say fuck. So, got it. Uh, Brandon then, uh, he's he's in his office getting information from Carly Poops Tammy on a client in the mirror. She comes in and just slides down and starts making out with him and says that, uh, Walter put her up to that one. So Brandon calls uh, calls this mirror guy and convinces him with the help of Walter's courage to lay down 20 large on Texas against Oklahoma before we get another montage of Brandon making various pitches on his little headset, sweating in confidence. Here's my question, man. I mean, it's, it's, okay. it's established early on with the first meeting between Walter and Brandon that they're giving this advice for free. So they're, they're just sports advisors, right? Number one, how do they collect from their clients? Number two, how do they know that their clients place the bet, how much they want and what their percentage? Like, I don't get how, how that money changes place. Is it like a, like a faith thing? Like you call back next week, Hey shit, I made 20 grand. Here's 2000. Give me this week's picks. I mean, that's, that's, that's just faith. I could have bet 70 grand or seven grand made 70,000 instead of giving you seven, giving you two. You see what I mean? I don't understand how they're getting, how they get their commission. Because they're not bookies. They're not working with the bookies. You know? How the clients... Okay. The, well, you know, I, I don't get that. It's never really established. Without... Okay. Without knowing 100% myself, 
there is a scene, it's kind of a blanket mystic moment, where Brandon tells Amir that he wants he, he tells him to wire him like a hundred. Yeah, he does. Like doesn't wire, you know, Western Union me twenty thousand dollars and I'll give you the pick. You know? But I, that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't get how that, like, what do you do? The guy calls you, like, wait for the check to clear before you talk to him? I just don't understand how the, where, where, where the profit I comes guess. From. I mean, you know what I mean? It's that, I think that, I think that could have been that. established this better. Different. Right. I think that could have been established better because they said they're giving the information out for free. <laughs> Their clients call in for the advice. You know, it's just like tipping your waiter, you know? I don't know right. what you bet and what you want, but I'm expecting her. If my cut is 10%, you're going to tell me you bet two, 120, you, get, you know? I, I don't get it. I just don't get where – that's it's it's left open-ended, and I have a gripe with that. Yeah, and I'm sure there's people listening that that do know the answer to that. And Please I'm explain sure it to that It was a different time, too, I'm sure, because well, – Yeah, but still, if somebody could let me know how the – I wasn't was, doing it then – and I'm sure even if I was, like I said, it's it, it's it's much different than the way it's handled today. Yeah, today I think it's, it's like it's nothing like this today anyway. I don't think. Yeah, so. it just it, it just seems to me it's worked on like the honor system. I called you last week. I made I I made fifty grand. Here's five of it. Give me this week's picks. How do I know you didn't make hundred fifty grand? I don't know your bookie. I don't know. You know exactly. Don't know. It's it, it's it's a little too open ended that that it kept it kept scratching the back of my head. For the entire runtime. I mean, it didn't take me out of the movie, but I felt that it could have been established a little better. Even for a minute, gotcha. a little bit expository. You know what I mean? Expository dialogue. Get right. it you know, answer my query. All right. So Walter with Tony uh, promotes Brandon to his show. Uh, he's now John Anthony 24-7. And Walter also says that he's about to put a lot of money into him. Are you talking and about during the dinner sure show? Does. They had the, were you talking about when they had yeah. dinner? One thing I yeah. like is is when he goes into it, when he goes into his spiel, I made a note with how, yes, he's talking to Brandon, who's sitting just to the left of him, but he is locked eyes with Tony. Like Pacino delivers that line about how he's going to build an empire around John Anthony, but he's looking dead into his wife's, <coughs> into his wife's eyes at this point, which is just... A little bit of like a character flourish, I think, that, that that Pacino probably brought to it is pretty cool. Instead of looking at Brandon and talking to him, he's talking to Brandon, right. but he's staring his wife down, making sure Tony gets the gist of his his plan. Okay. I didn't notice that. <laughs> little subtle thing, but I'm sure like, if I did, I would have questioned it. So. Yeah, I, I okay, just caught that during the news. All right, so we got another montage. Johnny Another montage. montage. It's cleaning up. Getting now here. I made a note because McConaughey's getting his hair cut. I'm surprised he left the shirt on for that. Perfect. I don't want to get any hair on my shirt. Why don't you let me take this off before you cut it? You know what I mean. <laughs> I know one thing. Huh? I fucking love that Mercedes Benz S. Nah, I know. Right. Yeah, the yeah, right right. 900 King. <laughs> uh, all right. So we got Brandon's first show here. Walter wants him to stick to the script. Talk about these things being extinct. The way the fan this this shit is not the way. Like I just like we just mentioned the last scene, like like sports betting in general. Like these fucking shows are like 
they play off like infomercials, more or less. They're it's like that, that. It's I forget the guy's name, but he had that show on C-SPAN or whatever. He had he he would like spout off all the stocks picks, and he ran around the studio like making like slamming buzzers and making noise and stuff. It plays off like that. I forget the guy's name. You know what I'm talking about? He kind of looks like the BTK killer. You know, but yeah. he had that show where he's predicting all the stocks for, you know, for the day or for the week or whatever, but he's all like amped and hyped about it, you know, so it plays yeah. kind of that way. Um, what? Yeah, it's on speed. I th- I'm pretty sure it's on C SPAN. C SPAN, one of them, you know, uh, cable news. Show. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, he has his first appearance. Um, fucking an honest delivery. Or pitch, I should say. An honest oh, pitch. He does. He goes. He goes off script. So now Saturday comes before Sunday, and looking at this Saturday's college matchups is the last, but certainly not least, member of the sports advisors. And here he is, Mr. John Anthony. Thank you, Walter. This is John Anthony here. I'm the million dollar man with the billion dollar plan. From Wall Street to Tokyo to Hollywood, all your big money is going to stay and play with me. That's right. That's why they call me the million dollar man. The million dollar man, the million dollar man, the million dollar man. I can't say that. Man. Uh, and, uh, somebody wrote some very clever stuff for me here, like the million dollar man. Uh, so let's just call me John. I played quarterback, Division One, And every QB knows that the secret, the key to victory is anticipation. The ability to see the future and react to it. Now that is what I do. And that is the truth. So I'm not going to sell you today, all right? I'm just going to tell you the facts. For over one year, I've been picking 80% winners. Unbelievable? Used to be. I know the leagues. I know the teams. I know these players. I know this wonderful game called football. Call the number on the bottom of your screen and ask for John. Let's make some money. Does it? Doesn't Jerry open the show? Doesn't Jeremy Piven's character like all open the show? And he del- he, he like delivers the show. And he talks about his and like then- his method, his computer. It's, it's like infallible. It's, it, 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 somehow he references like if God shows up at your door with nine strippers and a bag of Bolivian cocaine. <laughs> All right, so Walter comes home late after the show. It's about 4 a.m. Telling Tony that uh, he's going to add to the company on Monday. Add into the dot-com thing, he says. Um, starts ranting about John Anthony, and that he wants to go for a run. Starts taking his pants off to put on some fucking jogging pants, but uh, she has him come lay down with him and slowly talks him into a sleep. What a show. Come to bed. Man, you should have seen him. I just sat there and watched him roll. I swear he made me want to pick up a phone and call. I took all the sales boys down to Smith and Wolves, you know, get him primed for the weekend. And Chuck got so drunk, he took a swing at one of the deer heads on the wall. I don't know what we're going to do, man. I'm going to hire more guys on Monday. I got to. I gotta get more phones. Everything's amping up. Yeah. This guy, I'm telling you, I'm gonna do this whole dot-com thing around him, you know. I swear, if I had me, 
when I was his age. You know, I never had a mentor. Now I got a protege. You know, someone you hand it all down to. Anything happens to me, he steps in. He steps in. Just knowing that with this thing, you know. It's like having a son. Walter, come here. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Beautiful. <coughs> You're gonna go back to sleep. What are you doing, sweetheart? I'm gonna go, uh, I'm gonna go for a run. No, Walter. See the sunrise. Come here. Come here, come here, just for a second. Come here, sweetheart. You're exhausted. No, I'm not. I'm gonna go do the bridge thing, you know, up, 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 up fifth. <laughs> Walter, I haven't seen you all day. Just come, just come to bed for one minute. Just for a minute, because you know I got the trainer tomorrow. I know, of course you do. The trainer wants me to run. I know, baby. Wants me to run in place, you know. I know. Run from one place to another place. No time to sleep, just because you're so exhausted. I mean, that's no time to sleep. You're right. No time for sleep. I'll be right here when you get back from your run. Oh, that's nice of you. I'll be right here, right beside you, Walter. Oh, that's really nice of you. Close your eyes for one second before you go, okay? Yeah, it's a very sweet uh, scene. You see the love between, at least you see the love that she has for her husband. Where she's she's not like yelling at him, get your ass to bed. You know, I don't know. She's like just slowly coaxing him into bed. Come on, just lay with me for a minute. It's a very loving, mm -hmm. you know, interaction between them. Um, let me see. Jerry's clients are jumping ship. He had a bad weekend, uh, but he's coming to now. He's coming to Brandon for inside information. Tony comes home to Walter, letting a young girl out, saying that he got her for John. And th th Tony's, you know, has everybody to be pissed off at him right here because it's a very awkward encounter. She comes home to basically to, to Walter letting this young girl out and claims that he's paying her for John's services, but. Nothing even happened. So I'm she guessing the, I'm, I was a little confused with that as to why the hooker. Because at first I thought I didn't even realize that was the house. I thought it was the office. And then I put together it was the house. And it was before I figured out that they were living across the street from each other. So I'm guessing how does this thing work? She went to, to John's place across the street, you know, sp you know, did whatever they did, and then came came back over to Walter's place to get paid. Is that what I'm supposed to take away from this or assume here i don't know I'm a little confused with how that played out well it's vague and it is vague it's very it's vague. never really it's it's never really insinuated like what what is the truth like what the truth is in the situation you don't know yeah i mean i i, tend I don't, to side I don't Walter, think I believe. he was sleeping with her himself no, I think he was. I think, I think what he tells Tony is the truth. But that's what I, I felt. But why is she works. over there if she's already been across? Like, I just, I don't know. Again, like, they just left too much that there's too much. There's a few things that are that, like, small bits of dialogue could have tied up these knots for me. That's just that, you know, I don't know. Yeah, me neither. Um, so then uh, at, at the uh, the next taping, Walter tells Jerry that John's leaving. Uh, after the recording, uh, he talks to his kid brother on the phone. Uh, he shows him that the stereo that he, he's, he's working on the stereo that he's installing in his car. And he plays it for him. Says it sounds great, even though 
how the hell can you tell over a phone? And he started to sound the same over a phone. So he mentions that their dad's trying to call them for money, but uh, Brandon's calls are apparently being blocked. So that night he goes to Walter about it and he confirms it. Yeah, he blocked his father's calls. So what? So he's been blocking yeah, the yeah, last about like two the last weeks. two weeks. He's been blocking dad's calls. Let me ask you a question, Walter. Shoot. You've been blocking any of my calls? Of course. You don't need distractions right now, my boy. A lot of crazies out there. Does that include my father? Uh, you're asking me? I'm going to tell you. Yeah. You son of a bitch. How long? About two weeks. Walter. Come on, man. Brandon, would you have taken a call if I put it through? Ah, uh, that's Honestly. not the point. That's not the point. Well, what is the point exactly, Brandon? I'd like to know. I mean, what's the story with you and your father? You tell me. You seem to know. Well, I know pieces. That's about all. Hey, man, I was just trying to spare you something. Spare me? What are you going to spare me from, huh? He was a goddamn drunk. Left when I was nine. I couldn't compete with the bottle end of fucking story. You don't spare me nothing. If I want to talk to him, I will. Spare me, you fuck. Is that it? Is that all you got? Because I will match my dysfunctional childhood and Tony's against yours any day of the week. My father, five foot, arms like this. He had a cock like a Hebrew national. I even looked at him the wrong way. Smacked me across the room like Jake LaMotta. By the time I was five, he yelled at me so much, I thought my name was asshole. Broke my nose three times. Tony, tell him, tell him about you. Come on. I didn't have a great childhood either, Brandon. Great? Tell him about the uncle. Oh, well, I think he gets the idea now. Come on. Suffice it to say she was abused by everybody but the family pet. Okay, Walter, please. Your father was a drunk. He was a jerk, so what? It happens. Huh? I'm glad I blocked those calls. You know why? You need a new image of a man. How about me? <laughs> She's laughing. They all compare their, their, their childhoods. They, um, you think you had it bad? How about me? Like, We're all <laughs> fucked up. Yeah, they all had the little... They, they had their breakfast club moment, more or less. Yeah. So, uh, Just go way to put it, yeah. Go way to put it. Yeah. So Amir calling uh, Amir calls Brandon about losing fifty grand. He mentions that he mentions that. Yeah, meanwhile, Amir's calling him like a before. He's wearing like an Armani suit, driving a fucking quarter million dollar Ferrari. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and meanwhile, John's in like rise and fall. This guy. Yeah, and, this, and meanwhile, he's taking uh, He's taking a call in his office, getting tailor fitted for a suit, smoking a fucking ninety dollar cigar. You know, he's, it's obviously like Brandon Lang's living large now. Oakley, Oakley, neighbor. Let's bring this episode home. All yeah. right. So we're at what? Amir and a Ferrari talking to... Yeah, Amir uh, and John. Ferrari. He, he, he lost 50 grand, but then John mentions the week before he made 250 grand. Um, yeah, and, you're and, right. and he just knows. Like, you're driving around in that F1 Ferrari. Like, I guess Amir just bragged to him. That I'm, well, oh, you made me so much money. I bought a Ferrari. We definitely see the ups and downs of this guy. Because when we first call, yeah. when he first he's calls, dry cleaner shop. When he's only trying yeah. to lay, he, like he's mostly lays off. It's a thousand. He wants him to lay twenty on a twenty grand on his bookie. And then now the guy's fucking. He you know he's up because he laid that twenty grand out on John's, and he made his all of my. Now he's got 
nice ass suit and a fucking Ferrari and shit. Yep. yep. Meanwhile, John's getting, like I said, custom fit in his office for a tailor made suit, chomping on a cigar. Yeah. Um, and now he's, uh, you know, he's not in the dirt, but he's, yeah, he's showing a, uh, Brandon here showing a lot of confidence before his mom ends up calling him. And she says that the money that he sent her is too much. The mom never sent her that money. He says he explains, his, uh, he's explained to her who John Anthony is, uh, when Walter Boston says they got to go to Puerto Rico, talk to, uh. Sam Novian, who uh, is the world's biggest sports better. Yeah, like uh, they landed the whale, man. It's fucking IMA have. Let's go get us Moby Dick. And apparently, this Sam guy called for that. So they're in Puerto Rico. Uh, Walter has another episode in the airport, but then reveals that he was only joking. Uh, but I made a note here, man. Did you happen to notice the intensity? In McConaughey's eyes in that scene, I have here. I have here. Brandon's face is blood red after blood red. He's blood. His eyes are bloodshot, like he's in a legitimate panic for his friend. Which is again, it's it's kind of a you know quick little scene, but McConaughey gives it to gives it to you for that scene, man. Like he's uh, he's like yeah, his eyes are bloodshot. It's almost like he's starting to beat up with sweat and stuff, you know. And apparently he pulled this so he can just bring that intensity out before this meeting i guess right like they're like to ramp up the jay he's like i'll get in the character in the car you know right so we're at the meeting now um sam says that they're a scam take it as a joke oh wait who's uh, who's playing who's playing this guy this is armand Armand asante armand asante hell yes Armand have, have you been to his restaurant here in Baltimore? No, he's got his right. Where, where is it? Down in Canton, I believe. Where, what's it, it called? The, the Fells Point area. Not Canton. It's like the, uh, I think it's like around the, yeah, around the Canton Fells Point area. I knew Chaz Palminteri opened one up around here. That's who it is. I'm so, fuck, man. I always fight. I, I was going to say, yeah, Palminteri yeah, Palm opened one up. That's still open? Chaz Palminteri's restaurant's still open? Chaz is still open, last I checked. But yeah, I always get Armand Asante and Chaz Palminteri mixed I can, up. I can see that. I can see that. Ah, oh, damn it. It happened again. Yeah, um, I remember I reopened it like 10 years ago. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, Have you been there? Never been there. I, I tried to go once, but their reservations were booked. But I'm sure. I'm sure. It looks pretty. It seems to be pretty high end. Mm-hmm. Um, but if, if you get in, do you get like a free copy of um, um, uh, Brown's Tale? You get a copy of Running Scared. That's what you get. <laughs> Sam says that he bets a million dollars a game across the board. He doesn't fuck around. Brandon tells him that he's confident as his yacht about his picks. $250,000 up front plus 10% of his winnings is the agreed amount. So, John Anthony, 100% here. Conf- he has a confrontation with Walter uh, when he comes to Walter about his winning because he uh, he's 100% this week. Uh, when, I, when, I, when I say that, I mean that he, he was perfect in his picks. Yeah, 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 and, and what they just made two million bucks. They're throwing a big party at the at, at the office. I can't tell if it's the office or Walter's house. It's because they all kind of it's all like the, they all look like the same location. They do. It, they throws me off too. And it's again, it's what I said. Like it's what they they could have did better with establishing proximity and setting. Um, 
But yeah, he's got like this stack of cash. He's like just handing out hundreds to everybody. And this that 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 scene where he goes to hand, you know, John. Well, let's call. I don't know. We call him. You know, John Anthony Brandon. I call him Brandon. Right. He 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 gives. He's you know, hands like a hundred grand in cash, and he's like, um, shouldn't it be more than that? And that's when Pacino kind of like you know he gets he, he makes a turn. He's so evil. This is where it starts playing like devil's advocate for me. This when he, he grabs when he grabs him the headlock. Yes, where he grabs him by the neck and he's. It's basically like I made you and I can break you, that type of shit. It's this is where the 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 dynamic, if you will, kind of it starts feeling like the whole John Milton, you know, versus Keanu Reeves kept like that. That's where I felt the devil's advocate, you know, similarity started coming in. Um, yeah, I'm with you on that. Definitely. It's Did you catch that, weird. or was it? Did I didn't. I, I mean, I didn't. I didn't. You didn't put your finger on it, Harrison, but I, I, I see it now. You're talking about it. Yeah, it's. It now, feels like it's playing like a bit like Devil's Advocate at this point. I will say though, however, that this side of Walter is very short lived because the very next yeah. scene, it's like it never happened. Yeah, he's. I, I feel like you know he was. He was a bit. He was drunk. He was. You know. Uh, Power, well, he, he was he, he was high on you know money and power at that point, so it kind of brought out a nasty in him. And then I'm thinking once he slept it off, he realized he kind of made an ass out of himself, and just goes and makes nice without you know without ever having to bring it up. He just wants to make amends. That's how I took it. Yeah, because um, uh, he leaves uh, he leaves this shit, and then he goes. To Alexandria, uh, Jimmy King, to get away, and she's he goes to her home, which is like this this apartment condo high rise, whatever. Yeah, it's and, a fuck. It's a it's like an apartment on Central Park. She yeah. was like Central Park West. It, it's very nice place, and she it's like seventy five hundred dollars a month in rent. Man, that's yeah, what she charges for a night out. She meets him down the on the on the floor and in the lobby floor, lobby exactly thank you and fucking just tears into him because that this was she's a call girl it's revealed that she was more or less a call girl that Walter yeah, set she was up. set up yeah these it was a one and done and basically don't fucking come to my house again this is where right. I live don't fucking come here and, yeah right poor yeah Brandon thought he had like a little you know. Fling going on. All come to find out, Walter Walter paid her five grand to show up at that restaurant that night when they were all having dinner. Yep. You know, so he he paid her five and to to lose ten. Basically, all he's doing, and, and that again, that plays back into the whole devil's advocate thing, where he's you know got some ulterior motives that you're starting to discover about the character. You know, what I mean, that's where I felt like it started kind of taking that turn towards that you know, type of dynamic between the two main characters. I mean, did you actually think watching this, it was going to be a straight lace performance? Oh, no, 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 not at all. Not at all. <laughs> Let's face it. I mean, right, if, right. if it's for lack of a better term, even though it's not like straight up evil villain, Walter's your antagonist in this film. So he's got to have some sort of, you know, nasty bent to his character arc, you know? So I get it. I mean, I see why it's there. It just feels like it was, you know, to me, a lot of this, a lot of this sequence, let's call it act two, feels like it was taken from another Pacino film from earlier in his career. Yeah. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, I agree. 100%. Okay. Cool. 
Um, Brandon goes to his office, and this is where he just doesn't give a fuck no more. Walter's there waiting. Yeah, he's Tell hot him. shit, man. He don't need to show up. He can just phone it the fuck in. He's just going to, you know, day drink and drive his Mercedes, do whatever the fuck he wants. He's making a ton of money, and he's the hottest guy in sports betting advisory. He tells him he's got a 10.30 tea time uh, with a client. With a client, right. And then he makes his fucking picks on the spot. It's Tuesday morning. He's making his picks for the following weekend right there he's on the spot. Not even research. He's not researching nothing. He's not looking at stats. Not because like you find later he's like talking to people on the on the teams and stuff, getting information. No, he just like starts circling shit on, yeah. on the sheet. He's like, There you go, there's your there's your picks this week. He's like, We'll talk about you. All right, we'll start work tomorrow. Like, I don't think I'm gonna be in tomorrow. <laughs> what about the next day? And he just keeps walking. Um, Brandon then goes outside and he uh, picks up Tony and takes her to work, but he's driving at a very fast, out of control speed, asking uh, what she does outside of the salon, uh, just grilling her basically. And she finally reveals here that she was a junkie before she met Walter, um, drops her off. And then it's revealed that he went three and 11 on those picks that we just mentioned that he picked on the spot. It didn't turn out to be the best move. Uh, I went three and eleven uh, due to his carelessness, and then Walter finally, with this, bumps him to the ten percent that he asked about at the party, right. and, uh, and asks if he'd bet his mother's house on his Monday pick because he needs that Monday pick more than anything else to make up. For yeah, that he needs a, he, just just like the gamblers he's advising now. This cocky asshole's gotten so carried away. That he needs that Monday night game to parlay his losings, if you will. Right. Now, this number makes sense. Three and eleven, that's fourteen games. That's how many games they that are played on Sundays. That number makes sense, that record. So I'll tell you. Well, I, I was thinking too, like I was thinking too, um, when you mentioned that, what about bye weeks? Is there always fourteen games every week? This is also this is also with bye weeks incorporated because you guys okay. think see again you thirty two you, teams. Listen, 30, 32 teams. <laughs> How many? I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry to keep cutting you off. We're doing this remote, by the way, guys. So I, I know. They, they can't tell. Thirty two teams and twenty eight games are played because fourteen, 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 twenty eight. That leaves. Four teams remaining by weeks. There's always four teams with a bye. Okay. Yeah. See, I just, it's, there's a, there's a lot of numbers and math involved with, with this stuff. I'm just not a big sports guy. I mean, I'm, I'm a casual fan at best. It's all right. Um, so yeah, he, uh, he asked, like I said, uh, he tells him with, uh, his mother in it that he bet on that. Yeah. (laughs) My mother in. We see that that pick was wrong. Yeah, he's in a bar watching the game, and it just shits the fucking bed at the uh, end of the fourth quarter. It's ugly. So, Next yeah. day, he's clawing his way out of that hole by talking confidently to all of his losing clients on the phone. Yeah, he's, like he's trying a- to build up. He's like, yeah, we just, it's only one week. Just trust me, we're going to get him back this week. We're going to double what you lost, all that kind of he's shit. He's in a funk, a serious one right now. Yeah, he's definitely in a slump. So Brandon finds Brandon. I'm sorry, Walter finds Brandon at the driving range. Uh, and, I, I, I will say this, dude. I really miss going to the fucking driving range. I've, I've never been. been. No, really. I don't. Mean, my my clubs are long gone, dude. But I've. Uh, it's. I, I used to. I, I, I used to golf. I was on a, the team in high school. Um, I used to golf pretty regularly. You know, my late teens, early twenties. I haven't done it in years. I really miss going out there, man. I, I'd, it'd be a good day. Hmm. If we, 
get out to the driving range one day. But yeah, you're right. So he catches up with the driving range, tells him about his uh, <laughs> yeah, going about the this scene is one of my favorites. Yeah, he says he wants to get out and clear his head, and then he asks Walter um, how he did with his new picks. Walter tells him that he went two and twelve on their highest volume weekend ever. So this is Walter suggests switching the number to a suicide prevention hotline. Right. Wait, so there's a lot of dialogue I wrote down here too because as soon as he as soon as he delivers the numbers to Brandon, he's just like fuck. And he goes, yep. "You lose ten out of twelve. Fuck doesn't quite cover it. <laughs> you know, it'd be more appropriate something like holy fucking shit." Oh, Jesus fucking Christ. Yep. <laughs> God. Walter, yeah, so Brandon's in Central Park on his bike when he's attacked by uh, Sam Novian's guys. Novian reveals himself and says that he just came from Vegas and his mother was a good woman. He asks where his cocky guy John is and comes for a sincere apology. Brandon says he's sorry numerous times, but they don't sound sincere. Novian pulls out a gun. Brandon begs before Novian whoops out his dick and pisses on him. What? what yeah, the I made fuck? a note here, man. Can you imagine? Can you imagine being pissed on by Armando Sante? I can't imagine being pissed on by anybody. Like, I don't yeah, know but think about it. Like, I don't know like, how that's more humiliating for who. That's more humiliating for the guy who's being pissed on or the guy having to piss on somebody. Nah, it's better be. It's better be pissed off than pissed on. You know what I always say. Yeah, I know. But like if that ever happened to me, I'd, 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 I'd I would never wash this shirt. I'd be like, hey, you want to wear my Armando Sante <laughs> shirt? Armando Sante peed on this shirt. Because Brandon's just down there taking it. He's his, right. He's he's got got what's he gonna do? He's got a couple right. of heavies on. And this guy's just peeing on him in the middle of Central Park. Yep. Oh, God. And that's it, really. That's all we see him in here for. So that night, Tony knocks on Brandon's door and tells him that he's got to go because it will never be enough for Walter. She pretty much begs him to leave here. Um, Then the next morning, Brandon gets a call at his office early, and it's a call from Amir, who tells him that he's totally wiped out. His car, his business, he's ruined. Brandon tells him that they'll bounce back when Amir cuts him off and asks who he is, that he lost $300,000 over the weekend and he was going to get married. He screams that he had a life and then ridicules him that he's got, he's got nothing to say now that he can't have get any more money out of him. John Anthony. I wiped out, John. Amir. My business, my house, my credit, everything. Amir, it's going to be okay, all right? We're going to get back on track this weekend. You hear me? Still, you talk like this. Who the fuck are you? Like this is some kind of game. You ruined me. I was betting a few thousand a Sunday when I called you, but you pushed me. Every call, all the time with your talk. I lost 380000 this weekend. I was going to get married. I had a life! <laughs> oh, no words now, huh? No more money to squeeze, so you shut up? How do you fucking live with yourself? So yeah, this is kind of a turnaround point for Brandon, I guess. You got Amir, this guy we've been with since he he was one of his first clients when he was taken under from Walter. 
And now this guy's like we just mentioned, you and I, Sean, like you've seen this guy, like his ebbs and flows, his yeah, rise he, and fall. He, he, he rode the wave, man. He was a casual better, laid a, a, a stack that he technically could, probably couldn't even afford, but lucked out based on the picks and made a shit ton of money, started living large, and then went right back into the hole again. And that's kind of what this. I'd argue even worse than when he made that first phone call. I'm sorry. I said I would argue even worse than that first film. Oh yeah, yeah. Film he's film definitely in a worse. He's definitely in a worse position than when he owned it. Because now he he's got debt. I'm sure. Like, car yeah, he, 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 he probably he he probably hemorrhaged his fucking dry cleaning business to cover all this shit and lost it. Uh, that's the world of betting, folks. That is the world of betting. Well, I don't do it. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Definitely. Uh. It's just. Yeah. It sucks. I, I want to make a mention. I don't know because I, I, I made. I jotted down a quick note, and I don't know exactly of what part um, in the movie it happens. It happens somewhere around here, but um, there's 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 a scene between Walter and Tony where he talks about something about um, taking John out to Smith and Wolves for a drink, and it's the second time they mention this place. Now, do you remember that's the same place from Uncut Gems? Smith and Wolves is like this high end like boutique restaurant type joint. Right. It's, do you remember that? Like it's, 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 it, the name sounds familiar, but I wouldn't remember from this movie. Well, it's in, in, in uncut gems. That's where, right. when, 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 um, Howard comes into, uh, I forget, you know, his little, you know, mistress's name, the, the little hot girl's apartment or whatever. And he's hiding in the closet. Julia. Julia. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, and he's, he's got stuff from Smith and Walls, which I did a little look into it back then. I haven't looked at this, but apparently it's like a really high class, like I'm pretty sure it's like a, like a deli boutique type thing in New York. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Like where like a pastrami sandwich probably costs you $35. At this probably. But he does. He mentioned Smith and Walls. So we ever get up to New York, man, me and you are getting, are, are getting a sandwich and some drinks at the Smith and Walls joint. If we can afford it. Uh, it's, I mean, screw it, man. You only live once. Yeah. <laughs> Say that now until you drop fucking 20 large on a sandwich. <laughs> Say, man, I ain't spending two grand on a pastrami, but <laughs> shit, I'll drop 20, 20, 30 bucks at the entrees, right? All right, so Brandon then aggressively works out, and then he uh, rushes to Walter's office where a couple of suits are. He asks who they are and tells Brandon that he's gambling again, doing bad because of Brandon. Brandon then yeah, these guys are handing over like stacks of cash to him. Mm -hmm. Brandon, you know, Walter's <clears throat> Brandon then pitches a sale to Walter as Brandon Lang. Forget John Anthony. So, after an excessive amount of times and plenty of reps in his office, Brandon gives Walter his picks and has the entire sales force sell them hard. It's revealed next scene that he's almost successful, but a meaningless score at the end of the game ruins his picks. Um, Brandon. Yeah, like he like, they didn't. One, like he missed a spread by like one point. They had a forty-four point spread, and it was a total of forty-three points. It was a meaningless right. fucking score at the end after a uh, a missed field goal or some bullshit, and it it, it didn't need to happen, and it did. And that little fucking it's what it was score is ruined it all. I, I, if I'm not mistaken, this scene I'm thinking about is they didn't cover the point spread. It was a spread. He made his it pick. Was a spread. The, the team still won. 
But there right, was another right. there, but, points were made was, that that fucked with the spread, and that's what you yeah. It was not, only 40, I think the spread was forty three, and the amount of points are uh, forty four, and the amount of points is forty three. So he missed right. the spread by one point, which fucked the whole thing up. And again, this is another part that confuses me about sports betting. Like you got to cover the spread, and all this. And again, There's it comes spread. down with it, it comes back to let's face it, uncut gems. When he, you know, middle of that film, when Howard walks into the kitchen and hands that guy the envelope. And he's got all his bets written down on the spread. The point, like, I cannot understand that shit. Yeah, but see, that's I, basketball betting. That's different but a little bit. I'm not, I mean, I'm same not concept. I could it. spend seven. I could spend seven hours on the internet and Wikipedia and stuff trying to wrap my head around it, and I just, I just can't make sense of it. It's just something that escapes me. <laughs> you know, but that's just me personally. I mean, I'm sure we got plenty of sports fans out there that can explain it to me in English terms. I would love to. I would love to make more sense of it. <laughs> He would love to have that conversation, sports fans. I honestly, I would. I mean, at least somebody educate me on it because I, I just still. I mean, all I know is from movies because I'm like I said, I'm not a sports guy. I'm not a gambler. You know, I get it. It's a billion dollar cottage industry, but I just don't understand how all that shit works. And the fact that you got to like keep all it's it's I I I figure it's like playing it's a lot. You know, because you got to keep all these numbers in your head in real time and keep like doing all kinds of math with every play. That's a lot, dude. I have a fucking heart attack before Monday Night Football comes on trying to think like that. <laughs> I would, but yeah. again, you know, I'm I, I'm not that type of dude. Man. Um. So Brandon then tries to quit, but Walter won't let him. Tony enters the scene <coughs> and uh, tells Walter to just let him go. I'm finished, Walter. Oh, that's great to hear. Yeah. I'm done, man. Yeah? I don't eat. I'm not sleeping. So what are you trying to say? You got a little insomnia, a little indigestion, you're going to quit. Hail Mary passed. These things happen. It was. Listen to me, man. I'm telling you, it's over. (laughs) What use this John Anthony cat be to you now anyway, huh? The streak he's been on only for... Oh, come on. I'm not going to win this defeatist bullshit. Hot streaks go cold. Cold streaks go hot. They know you went 80% for half a season. They know, and they're going to remember as soon as you win a game. And we go into March Madness, baseball, next year this time. This won't even be a memory. Who said anything about next year, Walter? You made a career choice, buddy, and I bankrolled it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let him go. Let him go? Of course you stick up for him, of course. Oh, Walter. Meaning what? I don't know. Meaning what? Meaning whose side you on? I didn't realize I had to choose, Walter. Brandon. You're a champion. Champion goes down 86 times. He's up on the 87th. I'm not going to let you stay down. No way. Because this is not about you. Or you. Or me. It's about your gift. Your gift transcends all this shit. Your gift is cosmic. It's metaphysic. It's eternal. It is God. Besides, we have a contract. Bullshit. 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 
Walter, you can't own someone. Who owns them? I created the greatest sports tout this country's ever seen. I hooked him up with every major client. I built a fucking television show around him. I took out full-page ads. I introduced them to the major clients of the world. I did that. I hooked you up with everybody. You think you're gonna walk out that door, take that with you, leave me here holding the fucking sack? Bullshit. I don't even know why I'm talking about this shit. What the hell has this got to do with you? You know this is between me and him. What are you doing up in this office? What are you doing here? Get out of here! Don't talk to her like that, Walter. It's between me and you. It is between you and me. You telling me how to talk to my wife? You shut your fucking toilet when I'm talking to her. Leave. Leave, please, Brandon. Um, is this where Pacino's smoking a cigarette backwards? I didn't notice him smoking a cigarette backwards. He puts a cigarette. It was one scene where, he, I don't know if it's this or a little bit later, but it was a scene where Tony comes in and he's about to light a cigarette, and he th but he puts it in his mouth. Oh, and, yeah, because she comes in saying, like, that's it. That, yeah, and, and if you notice, he, the cigarette, he puts it in backwards. Like yes, a I, think that's, I think that's later on a little bit here. Okay, okay. Um, Walter then reveals that he's signed a con he's, he's got a contract, so he essentially owns him. Then eventually, Tony, uh, he, he kicks Tony out when Brandon intervenes and tells him not to talk to her like that. Tony sends Brandon away and then confronts Walter about the way he talked to her. Then um, the next morning, Walter wakes up uh, Brandon <coughs> at 6, 6 a.m. saying he's got to go to Vegas. Uh, Walter and this, to Vegas. this is our third scene with McConaughey and no shirt on. So, ladies, there's three topless McConaughey shots and two for the money. Tells him he's going to go. Uh, he's he's going to get back. Get him. Wait. Tells him he's gonna go to he's gonna get him back in the groove and that they're gonna turn things around together. Says that uh he wants to meet him later on that night when he gets home at 9 30 for dinner. But uh Tony is the one who ends up meeting Brandon instead and says that Walter's flight got delayed and that he'll be back in the morning. And you know, I think this may be the Smith and Walls thing. I think maybe he said we'll get together with Smith and Walls, and that's where they're at. Okay. So Tony breaks down and uh tells Brandon that. Uh, Walter's gambling again, to which Brandon simply responds with a yep, and that he's going to win one more game. Uh, he tells him, she tells him that he can't fix it. And then we see him, the, we see the two go back to the home together and kiss before going inside with Walter watching from a distance. And then we got Walter and Tony with their daughter the next morning. They're all celebrating that they're, they're all celebrating the 20th, the 12th anniversary. Um, Brandon comes over and arrives with uh, some gifts. Walter surprise no, Walter has gifts. He surprises Tony with some nice earrings. Yeah, do you notice what he hums when she's about to open the present? No, he's humming the Imperial March. From oh the shit! He's like, dun, 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 dun. yeah, he's humming the <laughs> fucking Imperial March. Right back. <laughs> when, no. he's, when he's dealing with his wife, he starts humming the Imperial March. At this point of the movie, I'm thinking, fuck, this is long. This movie's getting to feel, it's starting to feel its length at this part around here. I mean, it runs right at two hours, I think. It's like two hours and five minutes, but it's yeah, felt it's long. Over two. It felt right. long, and there, uh, we, I got things I want to talk about after we're done here. Um, so, yeah, and, and he gives Brandon a watch. So uh, there's a taping the next the, at the next taping. Uh, Brandon's puking and sweating and uh, sweating and not looking too hot due to his nerves acting up. 
It's the uh, Super 40 with KC playing. See, I know this ain't a real Super Bowl because of the name uh, Super Super 40. Yeah, so they didn't have full licensing from the NFL. And because 15 years ago, there was no way in hell Kansas City would make it to that fucking game. So that's how I I know. I, I, well, I made a note here, though, because we talked, they showed that scene of him, like, just, he's, like, just dripping sweat right before we're about to go on air. Yeah. I made note of all the times for McConaughey to keep his shirt on is when he's covered in sweat. <laughs> and he goes on yeah. the air. <laughs> you think if there's ever a reason to take your fucking shirt off, Matt, it's when you're flop sweating about to go on live television. Who the hell stops to take their shirt off when they're puking? I'm just saying, he's covered in sweat, but uh, this guy's got his shirt off for half the movie, and the one time he should take it off, he's got it on. Right, right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, Brendan's pick here is from a coin flip. Walter pencils it in as official as they go in the air and announces that he's so confident in John Anthony's pick that he's going to guarantee his picks this weekend, meaning he'll cover whatever their customers lose to their bookies if they're wrong. Might as well flip a coin, he says. This is career suicide. You don't do this. You don't guarantee a pick and say you're going to personally cover, you know. Well, they they have have that conversation. $2 million and lose They they had that conversation on the street outside of the studio after the taping. And, and, you know, Brandon's like, you can't do this. You got to call it back or at least, you know, set a cap. And he goes, what difference does it make? I'm finished anyway. You know, and this is where I made a note where it kind of like solidifies the whole addiction part where Pacino's like, can't you just feel it? And he describes that high. It's not the high of winning. It's the high of that split second before knowing whether you won or lost. That's what you're, that's the rush you're chasing. And that's pretty much any addiction, you know, yeah. like when, it, you know, I, if, if I'm going to go get ramped up on some God knows what, I'm more excited going to get it. It's coming, it's coming. And they're getting, I'm like, all right, cool. I'm getting hot, you know, but it makes sense where he talks about, can't you just feel like that rush of, you know, it's not, you know, when you put your chips on, it's when they take the chips away. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the high because you want to try to, you know, fill that hole that you just opened up. Let's go again. I got you. You know what I mean? He makes a good point describing that just addiction in general. I mean, obviously he's talking about gambling, but it just it, it, it's a perfect description of addiction, in my opinion. Or the no, rush. Right. It, it, it's, it's good. I like that. Um, so outside, Brendan confronts Walter, who says that if Brendan doesn't care about his pick, then neither does he. The phone lines go bonkers. So now it's game time. Everyone's watching at the office, or at least we think it's the office. While Brandon's seen packing up his things and leaving, with Tony watching him leave and showing a sign of relief as he does so. Then we see him at the airport as the game enters the final quarter. Oh, I made a note here that you must be proud seeing how the Chiefs are in this final scene, man. <laughs> They're the hedge in the bet type of play. You know what I mean? You must be proud your boys made it to a film. Yeah, the Chiefs-esque team. I think they, I think the KC football team's colors in this movie were fucking brown. <laughs> I was like, hey, not the Chiefs, but still, dig it. KC shout out. Love my Chiefs. 
Um, Walter goes to see Brandon, but instead gets a note that he left along with the watch that he bought for him. Tony says he left. That they had a confrontation, and 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 they have a confrontation about the night before with them sleeping together. He never went to Vegas. She admits to it and says that he made her do it. And then they have this final kind of conflict slash resolution between the two. It's fucking odd. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, yeah. Well, she she accuses him. She's like, you know, what happens in the scene is she acknowledges that yes, they went in together, but what Walter didn't see when he was spying on him from across the street was that Brandon left out the back door and she stayed, you know, she spent the night there by herself and said something about feeling set up. And, he's, and he said, he says, you set me up, you put me out on a platter. And he goes, I put a tray out there. You didn't have to put an apple in your mouth and sit on it. Yeah, I remember that line. Okay, so this, that, I mean, this, this shit here all, it makes a little bit more sense then. Okay, because I wasn't really putting things together the way I normally do. Yeah. And this is kind of a blur and that's why I even made the comment where it's just, I don't know. It's fucking odd. But now that you say all that, and so then the whole like quote unquote affair between the two, it wasn't really it, okay. It all makes sense that they were they were essentially setting up um, Walter underneath of our noses without telling us they were doing so. It, yeah, I mean the worst thing they're guilty of is is sharing a kiss on the on the doorstep, which is which bad could enough. have been which which could have been intentional. Right, they it could have said you know since they see since they know Walter's watching they could have done that to you know just make the illusion look more you know the it was way like his wake up call yeah so I don't know um, Brandon watches the end of the game from a bar at the airport New York wins Brandon's pick turns out to be right after all Tony and Walter are then shown reconciling together. Brandon is seen heading home happy that his final pick was a successful one. And the film ends with Brandon as the coach of the junior football team. The Giants, if I'm not mistaken. Or yeah. New York. Yeah, okay. And that wraps up two for the money. Alright. So box office receipts. In the operational funds box. We will deposit 250,000 American dollars. You take it out. We put more in. I want receipts. All right. So, Two for the Money was released October 7th, 2005 from Universal Pictures, where it grossed $8.7 million opening weekend, opening number four, going on to gross $30.4 million. I'm sorry, $30.5 million against a $35 million budget. Um, film had a pretty average second weekend drop, 46.2%. Uh, and it opened to 2,391 screens. So all average numbers. It lost money in the end. Um, I think that kind of has a lot to say about the film's legacy and whatnot, or lack thereof, because... No one talks about this movie. The more no, I, I kind of, I kind of wanted to pull it. I, I kind of wanted to bring more light to the film itself. That's why I made it one of the McConaughey kind of selections. Because you don't hear about this film ever. I, at least yeah, I, I mean, it's it's easily forgettable. It's run of the mill. Nothing really stands out. It's it's product of its time. It's harmless though. It's a pro- it is a product of its yeah, time. It is yeah, definitely it's, a product of its time. I mean, there's, yeah, don't get me wrong. There's worse ways you could fuck around, you know, fuck off two hours. You know what I mean? 
But there's also better ways. You could kill two hours too. It's kind yeah. of falls in the middle. You know what I mean? It's a it's a harmless film. You know, it's exactly. Yeah, there's a little um, bit of stakes for the characters, a little bit of drama, ramped up tension. You know, um, it's a guy flick. At the end of the day, you know, it's not something that that you know. With the exception yeah. of three topless McConaughey's, he's not yeah. he's going to want to look at in this film. You know, right? Yeah, you know, not, most females are not like sorry. The, the Unless you're like major sports nuts, yeah, exactly. Family it's, it's, addictions and shit. You got to be right. into that shit. I mean, I enjoyed it for what it was, and I, I think I made it clear to, to this afternoon that I know dick all about you know football and you know sports betting and shit. I dug it. It left me with you know a lot of unanswered questions when it came to how the whole thing works and. Like I said, where these characters are in proximity to each other, because you know Brandon's house, Walter's house, and the fucking office all look the same. I think they're all in the same goddamn building. For Christ's sakes! Yeah, <laughs> it's like one giant happy family. <laughs> um. All right, so let's meet the cast. Hey, you guys! Everybody, focus up, okay? All eyes here. I would like to announce that Ben and I are planning to produce a musical number from Godspell for the talent show tonight. <clears throat> I'm sorry, Ben is producing. I'm directing slash choreographing. I'm only speaking from personal experience, but if you can't carry a tune, don't come into the audition environment and waste our time. For serious, okay? Okay, and bring a lot of movement clothes, a.k.a. jazz shoes, dance belts, lycras, et al. And seriously, FYI, you guys, this is not an excuse to get out of your regular activities. This is an excuse to do some good musical theater. So be prepared, be enthusiastic, and leave your bullshit attitude and baggage at the door, because we don't need it. So, on top of McConaughey is Brendan Lang, we have the great Al Pacino returning to the film effect, playing Walter Abrams. Hoorah! Good to be back, gang. Yeah. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Renee Russo as his wife, Tony Abrams. And, uh, come on, Sean, where's your Renee Russo impression? <laughs> um, have you guys ever seen the Thomas Crown Affair? <laughs> Jeremy Piven as Jerry Sykes. Hell yeah. Love me some Pivens, man. Can't wait till we cover the goods, dude. That's going to be fun. Yeah, I feel like either the goods or maybe even Judgment Night at some point. Uh, we're definitely doing the goods. Dude. Throw Judgment Night in there because I love that film for what it was back in the was Again, product of its time. That was, that was my movie that summer. Um, well, hold on. You don't know what I was going to say. Whenever we get to either of those movies, it's when we'll have this big, grand Jeremy Piven conversation, you know? Yeah, definitely. I'm just saying. I'll we'll go, save it. Yeah, yeah, but I, I, we, we, I, put, I want to do the good soon, man. I fucking love that movie. I want another reason to watch it. Uh, well, then fucking watch it. No one's got a gun to your head saying you can't watch this movie. I you know, watch I know, the goods? I know. Go I watch know, the I'm... goods, brother. <laughs> um, Armand Asante as Sam Novian. Uh, Ralph got wasn't it Armand Asante, Judge Judge brother in that Stallone remake or not remake? I, be I, I, I believe so. I believe so. The biggest thing I remember him from was was um, I think it was made for Showtime. It was a movie called Fatal Instinct back in like yes, uh, remember, remember, fan. It was yeah, yeah. It was it was like it was it, it was like the spoof of all the 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 uh, the the I adult. Remember, the, right? The, the the sexy thrillers of the nineties like Fatal Attraction, Basic Instinct, yeah, it came out basically ninety three, ninety four. I remember. Yeah, it. yeah, it was it was basically like what Loaded Weapon was to all that you know mm -hmm. the action buddy action movies. Loaded a Fatal Instinct was to you know those sexy thrillers that always starred Michael Douglas. Yep. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's why I always remember Omar Asante from. I mean other things too, and I'm pretty sure you're right. He was in the Stallone 
Judge Dredd with um one that Rob Schneider and the counterfeit Rob Schneider up. and uh Diane Lane. Yeah, and it's oh Diane Lane was in that, Jesus. Um yeah, doesn't it culminate with like a bunch of counterfeit blue jeans out of China or something like that? I don't know. That movie was dumb. I prefer the I prefer the Carl Irvin one. Yeah, I haven't seen the Stallone one in a while. So I can't I'll remember. never go back and look at it again. I why? But I have Dread right here. Dread's right. a right, way better flick. Um so then we got, like we mentioned, Ralph Garman as Reggie, uh, Carly Pope as Tammy, and Jamie King as Alexandria. Um, uh, don't forget, Giddy Watanabe. Uh, Giddy Watanabe as the limo driver. What's a hop in hot stuff? No, boy, yank it thank you. all dogged out. Don't need food. Hell yeah. All right. Um, so this is Crew. Well, my friend, this is Crew. But don't even think about it. You don't look like you could... Hang, Jermaine. The name's Jamal, and I'll fuck your crew up. Who are they? Who are they? So, this was directed by DJ Caruso. Yeah, Why do that, I like... know that name? Because, well, after this, he went on to do uh, Suspiria, not Suspiria, um, Dis- Disturbia. That was the name of it. That was basically the remake of Rear Window with Shia LaBeouf, yes. right? Yes. Yeah, that's what I thought. Um, Surprisingly good flick, actually, and one that I've seen in the last couple of years. I revisited it, so yeah, I haven't seen it in a while. It was better than I expected. I mean, it was um um oh Christ, what's the it's David Morris is the David player. Morris? That's the name I was trying to think of. David Morris. I don't know why I want to call him Vigo Mortensen, but I know what name. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah David Morris was the neighbor, and then his yeah. mom was uh Carrie. Uh, what, what's her name from the Matrix? Trinity. No, oh, yeah, because yeah, he's like boobs on like the beefs on like house arrest with an ankle bracelet or something. Yes, because he punches because his dad's uh Matt Brewer, and his dad gets killed in the opening scene, and then Matt like, Brewer, like you talking about Max Headroom? No, not no, 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 Matt Matt Brewer. Oh, okay, I thought you said Matt Brewer. That's fucking Max Headroom right there, man. Wait, I think that's his name. Hang on a second. I don't know. I saw that movie once. I ran it on DVD. Like. 20 some years ago. Oh, I'm sorry. Matt, Matt Craven is his name. Matt oh, Craven. yeah, that guy. Yeah, I was Matt Matt Craven, my favorite Matt Craven role is uh, Jacob's Ladder. My favorite is Happy Birthday to Me. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's or, one of the stars or, or, the or K2 with him and Michael Bean as the mountain climbers. Yeah, no, it's where we talked about Happy Birthday to Me. Was That was like a legitimate yeah. American Giallo flick. Am I right or am I wrong? It is. It's 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 out there. It's a t- it's it's total it's total giallo, man. I don't realize that till I watched it a, a, a few months back when a, a guy from work gave me a copy because he actually had an extra. And yeah, Matt Craven's one with the scarf in the in the dirt bike, right? It's it's directed by John Lee Thompson, the original director of Cape Fear. Oh yeah, Did you know that? Yeah. No, I didn't. For you talking about Happy Birthday to me? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yep. But I'm right there. Matt Craven. Matt Craven's death scene in that movie is is the scarf in the in the dirt bike, right? No, Craven's is the shish kebab on the front cover. Oh, that's right. That's right. He's a shish kebab. It's yeah. the it's the dork from Meatballs is in that movie too. Yeah, yeah Spaz I think he's from scarf, Meatballs. Yeah. Is in that movie. yeah, man, that's that's a good little flick. Like I said, it's like a early '80s American Giallo flick. Forty years this year, '81. Yeah, man, I'm looking. I got it right here with so. that. When I got a double disker with that, when a stranger calls. But then, um, back when his uh, uh, Caruso, he followed up uh, Disturbio with Eagle Eye. 
Where that was that stupid Eye. movie where like it turns out the artificial intelligence is one target. That was dumb. Yeah, Julianne Moore did the voice of the robot. The, yeah, fuck shit. that film, dude. Fuck that film. Yeah, very underwhelmed with that film oh, compared to Disturbia. Fucking turd. So, and then um, he did uh, one of the, uh, some fan. I think some fantasy movie or something. I don't have it in front of me. I'm, I don't feel like looking it up, but. His career, his career has kind of went up and down, and I think now he's doing a, directing a lot of uh, Bruce Willis videos for direct the DVD and shit. So what a surprise! Yeah, um, produced by James G. Robinson. No surprise there because he's the head of uh, Morgan Creek. So shocker. Written for the screen by Dan Gilroy. Really? Yeah, Rene Russo's husband. Better. Huh. I said Gilroy has penned better. And he also uh, directed Nightcrawler, right? Uh, yes, you're right. Yeah, yeah. And, and, then his last, and, and his last film was that Velvet Buzzsaw. Have you ever seen that? Yeah, dude. That movie was wild. Did you check it I out? Liked it. I liked it too. Yeah, it was good. That was a cool little flick, man. About the subversity to, to art. It was neat, man. But I've been, I've watched it. I only watched it that one time. I got to go back. Is it still on Netflix? Yeah, it's their movie. I was going to say, it's still up there, right? Because I remember Manny and I, like, It'll we, had just moved, on there. we had just moved into this place, and it was, like, had its premiere, like, about within that first month or so. Yeah. I remember us sitting here watching, we're like, this is fucking cool, but it's weird. Yeah, I, I like Velvet Buzzsaw, man. I got to give that another run. And then, um, rounding out the crew, we got music by Christoph Beck, edited by Glenn Scandalberry, and then cinematography by Conrad W. Hall. Um, okay. Biggest takeaways. Mr. Madison, what you've just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. Um, I know nothing about sports betting, and this film didn't help me understand any better. That's my biggest takeaway. I would come. I would. I, I would lose my fucking ass every weekend from October to February every year if I got into this shit. I just cannot wrap my head around it. I can't understand right. the math, the spreads, the parlays. You know, because you got to keep up on everybody's stats. Don't forget the handicap. Don't it's, it's like, exactly. That's why I don't play that fantasy football shit like you guys do. I would, I, you guys would take me to the fucking cleaners if I got involved in any of this shit. And this film didn't help clarify it to me. And it, 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 it didn't even rub a little bit of frost off the window for me to peek through. I still frosty. I can't understand. I wrote down three: um, McConaughey's, McConaughey's McConaughey. Yeah. Uh, Definitely a film of its time. The way sports betting was, the way sports betting has evolved since 2005, and then Pacino is kind of weird here, but it's still an entertaining showcase, which we talked about well, in the actual plot breakdown. So, nothing more to elaborate there. Let's move it on. Go. Let's move it on to finger licking good. It's finger licking good. All right. I can go first with this one. Everything with uh, for everything from him first getting to New York until probably around the moment they had their first on air 
taping that basically what I call his up and coming phase. Yeah. I enjoy watching in this film. Yeah. I enjoy seeing that just where he came from and where he's going and stuff like that. And you know, not to say that the downfall is not entertaining to watch because it kind of is, but I prefer yeah. the upbringings. So, um, how about you, Jura? Uh, it's, it's that it's that scene at the end where I talked about where Pacino perfectly describes the thrill of the addict. You know, where yeah. he breaks it down to John, like you know, the rush doesn't come when they're pushing the chips towards you; it comes when they're taking them away. Yeah, and he just describes that feeling of whatever your hook is, whether it's cocaine, whether it's gambling, whatever. Like the 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 anticipation and the the and these feelings only last for literally split seconds. They're moments in your life, but they're they're ones that just like you're just filled with energy and adrenaline. Like I think it encapsulates that. I don't want to say perfectly to a T, but it does a very good job of laying it out to the layman, if you will. Yeah. Picking up what you're putting down. Right on. Um, all right. Let's uh, move on to the mulligan moment. If you had to do it all over again, would you make the same choices? Um, I got two. Okay. You go first. Not, I have one. Not not, not so much a moment, but something that could be easily fixed within the film. Number one, better uh, establishment of, of proximity. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Between whose house are we in? Where are we in the office? We're in the house. Is the office and the house in the same building? That, and explain to me how you make your fucking money if you're just advising and giving this advice away for free. How do you, how, how do you hold your client accountable for funds owed for services rendered that's never fucking explained it's left to be almost like um a, a word of faith gratuity type situation and let's face it if that's how a business was run they couldn't they couldn't be as successful as they are you know it's not i, I don't need it probably why a lot on around anymore <laughs> it's i mean possibly yeah yeah but give me i mean all you need is a scene that runs for maybe 90 seconds, you know, a little bit of action and two lines of dialogue explaining where the money comes from, how it What's goes. What's the dialogue anyway? Anything like that? Like just, just yeah, like two, two, like 30 seconds, two lines of dialogue to tell me how the coffers get filled from these gamblers. Let's face it. They're all around the country. You know what I mean? Yep, you never yep. see these people face to face because Walter, Brandon, Jerry, they don't, know who these bookies are and how much their client laid off that weekend and how much their what their cut should be. They're just like, wire me this, you know, so you wire me that and then I'll give you the like I don't it just doesn't make sense. Yeah, I get it. You breezed over it to keep the story going. But that all oh, that that had me wondering the entire film is how can this business model fucking work? Because it doesn't make sense to me the way it's laid out on the screen. Okay. Um for me, and I'm probably going to catch some flack from you for this, but uh, if we could just remove that meaningless Armand DeSante subplot to tighten up the <laughs> runtime, yeah. then that'd be great. I mean, well, who's going to piss on McConaughey? Love seeing him. Love seeing McConaughey getting pissed on for some <laughs> reason. But come on, we can we can just slap off for like five ten minutes from removing this dude. You know, 
I, well, I you, still, you I, needed a movie like this. I think two hours and five minutes is a bit excessive for a film like this. Yeah, you're right. It could have it could have came in at about a buck forty, buck forty five with it. With you didn't have trim some of that it. fat, you know. And Armand, but you, you needed. Boss, you but go. I think it also needed the you know the peak of chasing the whale, and then um, the the threat of something outside of Pacino's gambling addiction or Walter's gambling addiction. Um, threatening the whole business to put your or protagonist at a point of risk. And that's all he was there mm-hmm. for. It was those right. two scenes like, we're going to go after the whale. And then, you know, the whale lost a lot of money. Now the whales threaten you. So you had to add some tension to his arc that didn't necessarily involve uh, Walter Abrams character. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's it. But I, scenes. That's it. I, right. I, and I agree with you. It could have, that, that, that shit could have been excised and the movie still would have got the same point because it didn't add that much to it. Would it give you 30 seconds of tension during the, during the Central Park being on my shirt scene? Exactly. Got it. That's it. It, 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 won, it won enough to make or break the film. So I'll agree with you there. All right. Um, McConaughey exclusive. All right. All right. All right. All right. All right. All right. Kate McConaughey, attitude for the money, Sean. What do we got? Um, I, I don't know who, I'm not saying it would fall apart. I mean, yes, it, you know, requires that, you know, cocky swagger, but I think there were other guys around that time. That like, yeah, I think Vince Vaughn could have played this part. At that really? Time. Yeah. Yeah, I do. I do. I think, think about I, that I, one. Um, I'm just saying, like, I'm not saying, I, what I'm saying is it's not really, um, yes, the McConaughey movie, but it doesn't need McConaughey to make the film. You just need that type of character to be cocky and that kind of delivery. Vaughn could have did it. Yes, it I can have, see Vaughn. Okay, hang on. A I, different I, way. I I can see Vaughn with the with the personality and the way he talks, but I can't see Vaughn as that womanizer type that McConaughey's got that sexual appeal. Well, yeah. Well, maybe Vince Vaughn would have taken a shirt off three times throughout the runtime, but. <laughs> You know, I I don't know. I mean, you got to remember, he's a former college all star. No, um, I know, I know. All state. I'm sorry, all state. Right. Um, it's yeah. The, the movie the, the movie would work without McConaughey. Another one of the marquee actors working at that same time, which let's face it, would have been him. Would have been Paul. Would have been what? Owen Wilson. Um, I'm not saying Owen Wilson could have did it at all, but you see what I'm getting at here, though, right? Yeah. There, there's Hollywood. Yeah. You know, those hunk a hunk of man meat Hollywood poster boys in 2005 didn't necessarily have to be McConaughey. McConaughey would have passed on this role. Somebody else could have picked it up and the film would have still got produced. Um, I'm going to respectfully disagree. Okay. I think this movie needs McConaughey as much as it needs Pacino because I think that this was the movie that kind of pit those two together and this whole sports gambling betting aspect is kind of the background. And this is more of a two hour showcase between two actors who powerhouse actors, in my opinion. Yeah, well, uh, by that same rationale, a lot of good that did the recruit, uh, a lot of good the recruit did for Pacino and Colin Farrell. Same concept. See, I, see and, and I knew you were going to say that, and I knew you were going to say that, and, I, and quickly, I got to say, <laughs> I never viewed Colin Farrell as that big. Like, uh, <sighs> I'm not saying no, that powerhouse, but I, I like the guy. Colin, Colin Farrell was never and never will be Matthew McConaughey. 
No, you know, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. But 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 as far as marquee A-listers, you know, like I I, I don't know about you. I'm a huge fan of In Bruges. That movie's funny. Me too. Love mm-hmm. that film. I love Colin I, I think it's fairly. I just part. don't think he was ever as popular, you know, as Matthew McConaughey ever was. No, you're right. You're right. But it's again, it's the same concept. I would take these two hot, or at least the young hot A-list guy and the established veteran actor and slap them on the screen and make some money this summer. That's what the recruit did with Colin Farrell and Al Pacino. It's what two for the money did with Matthew McConaughey and Al Pacino. It's what devil's advocate did with Keanu Reeves and Al Pacino. So it's a formula there. Yeah. I mean, I would it's argue actually that that's the most successful of them all too, is the devil's advocate. Well, yeah, true. So, all right. <clears throat> Final thoughts. Um, I'll go ahead and leave this one in because I okay. usually have you do it. I'll start with this one. Um, not really much more to lay on to what we've already or add to what we've already said throughout. Um, this movie did not need to happen. Um, it's still it's it's a harm. Okay, let me, let me back up. My final thought: this is a harmless but still an enjoyable watch. Um, I'd argue it's a little tougher to watch if you're not really into the sports and sports gambling side of, of life. Um, me for real. It wasn't hard for me to you. watch, but I mean, I, it, it, there was, there was, I spent time thinking on some things, more on some things than, than somebody like that would, because I'd like, I don't understand this. So I focused on it. You know I mean? It's a film that screams 2005 in so many <laughs> ways, yeah. but, um, it is part of its time, but it's still an enjoyable film. You can definitely tell it's an early Dan Gilroy script. Um, DJ Caruso also went on to do big. I mean, I mean, everyone that was a part of this movie survived and moved on. I mean, hell, even Jamie King, for as much as I was underwhelmed with her showcase in this movie, um, thought she was rather wooden. She has went on to just redeem herself in other products. She's made a pretty big screen queen name for herself over the last decade or so, I'd say. Um, and yeah, overall, I ain't mad at the movie. I've always been a fan of it since I first saw it. Um, I'm going to go, I, I'll, I'm sure I'll eventually see this movie again down the road. I mean, I'm in the rush to see it again, but it's like I said, it's a harmless movie. It's something to watch for a couple hours on a Saturday afternoon if you got time to kill, or if you're just trying to wear off that hangover. Don't put on How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. Put this on instead. <laughs> Sean, your final thoughts. Uh, it's, I mean, it is what it is. It's okay. Um, it's is it something I'm, I'm going to actively seek out any time in the near future. Probably not. Not for several, several, several years since I just watched it last night. Um, uh, because I'm not a big sports guy, I'm not a gambler. It, it there's, it, it still left me with some questions that I think I made fairly obvious here as, as to what my gripes are. Right. Um, it, like you said, product of its time. You know, definitely. You know, plays and feels like a 2005. You know, star vehicle, which is what it was for. You know that. You know, box office season, if you will. Um. But you know, it's, it's my favorite McConaughey flick. Far f- fuck no, my favorite Pacino flick. Hell no. You know it's okay. It's okay. It's not bad 
but it's not exactly good either. It's just kind of run of the mill, straight down the middle for me. Like, Would you recommend it? Um, if you ain't got, if there's nothing, if it's like this or how to lose a guy in 10 days, yeah, I'm going to tell you to put this on. But if you've got other, it, it, I'm not going to say, do you really need to go watch two for the money? Like if you've got a whole shit ton of films in your, in, in, at your fingertips, I'm not going to say, put this on the top of your list. I'm right. not say you okay. could do worse, but you could also do better. Right. Okay. Yeah. All right. <clears throat> All that being said, this film definitely gets the film effects seal of approval, and that'll bring things home for this edition of the show. One down, many more to follow. We will be back next week to wrap up Makaname by talking all about what, Sean? Uh, Guy Ritchie's The Gentleman. Yes. And I can't believe that we're already talking about the final week of Makaname. Damn. Mm -hmm. It was fun. It was a fun it was, it was. We had some uh, some ups, nothing, some downs, some nothing hits and misses, last huh? week. We had some good times on the show. Yeah. Ups <laughs> and downs and hits and misses. I'm looking at you, Rain of Fire. Oh shit. <laughs> You're catching shit for me to the end of the year until we cover that film. Yeah, 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 yeah. So we'll be back next Monday to talk about the gentleman, same film effect place, same film effect time. Before we get out of here, just want to remind everyone they can check out our ever-growing collection of previous episodes on iTunes, Spotify, Google, iHeartRadio, Pocket Cast, and wherever else you enjoy your favorite podcasts. We're on the socials first at Facebook and Instagram. Where at the Film Effect Podcast, and we are doing some tweets and twats and twits. Where at now, if you twits want to tweet us, you tweet us <laughs> at <laughs> Film Effect Pod. <laughs> Oh, shit. And if you're old-fashioned, <laughs> love sending them emails. Where is that address at? Shoot that one over to the inbox at the Film Effect Podcast at gmail.com. All right. Um, well, yeah. Until next week, Sean, and take us out of here. Yes, sir. Guys, we shall see you all again when those theater lights go dim and the opening credits begin to roll. I've been Ed, that's been Sean, it's been fun, but now it's done, and we will see you guys next week to wrap up McConaughey with the gentleman. Check you later. All right, guys, take care.